the blast from our past network. Podcasting After Dark presents TV Obscura, a deep dive into underrated and unknown television shows from our youth. Cartoons, sitcoms, cop shows, and much more. Sit back and enjoy some nostalgic fun with TV Obscura. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a special Halloween episode of Podcasting After Dark presents TV Obscura. I am one-third of the pad team, Corey, a.k.a. Sleazy C. Joined with me, as always, is my two brothers from other mothers. We're all from other mothers. Uh, Zach Schaefer and Diallo Jackson. And this episode is about three years in the making because we are finally... Talking about Ow Werewolves of Fox. Ow <laughs> That's right. We're finally talking about motherfucking werewolf 1987 Fox's fucking inaugural uh, one of its inaugural shows and uh, as you all know we've been excited to talk about this sh- uh, show for a long time now um it is not in fact uh, out in the states on dvd or blu-ray we uh we procured a copy from somewhere but it also turns out to be on uh, on youtube so <laughs> we posted all the links uh on on our patreon page for free so, of course, if you haven't seen the show or if you haven't seen it in 30-some-odd years like us, then go swing on over to our Patreon page. You do not have to be a member. You, uh, I didn't, We didn't put it behind the paywall. It's all in there for free, and you can watch every single episode of Werewolf. It's the 35th anniversary. Is this oh, year? This, oh, shit. Yeah, perfect oh, timing, huh? Perfect, perfect. Yeah. So, guys, before we jump into this, I do want to throw out what are your all's Halloween plans? Uh, Zach, what you got going on with Bodie and the family this Halloween? Trick-or-treating. Nice. Trick-or-treating. But we have this sweet ride. It's like an electric bike with a big bucket in the front that holds a bunch of kids. So uh, we're, we're going to pop, in the, ki- pop the kids in the chariot in electric up and down the hills. And uh, But Bodie and I have a tradition to watch Monster Squad every year. We That's our oh, Halloween tradition now is to watch the monster squad that's our halloween movie that's awesome i I love halloween movie traditions maybe on a wrap up after dark this month we'll talk about like what our go-to halloween movies are doesn't mean they have to be at halloween time but what we always have to watch uh, around halloween to get in the mood for halloween diallo will you be joining zach and bode on their adventures (laughs) i I haven't i haven't been invited so hey diallo hey diallo (laughs) you want to come hang out with us on halloween (laughs) Uh, I mean, I you know whatever. If I'm if I'm free, if I, <laughs> I'm gonna take that as a yes. yes. <laughs> well, I will ask this, Diallo. You just got back from Hawaii, my dude. How was your trip? Oh man, it was great. Uh, went out to cheer on my buddy that uh, did the uh, Ironman World Championship in Kona. Oh. Whoa! He uh, was supposed to do it in 2020. A few things came up. <laughs> just a few things, you know. <laughs> He's been training for it for two and a half years, and he finally did it. So it was really, we all went out to, to root him on and see him cross the finish line. It's, what an epic journey that was. That's uh, cool, dude. Yeah. 
and uh yeah the, the hawaii is hawaii man i just uh kind of i was there and i was like why don't i move back and haven't made plans yet but i <laughs> thinking about it <laughs> but you're looking at that hard ticket to hawaii real oh, nice right now yeah. To hawaii. yeah it's uh but y'all just don't forget it's not paradise all the time <laughs> Uh, so guys and gals i just want to give a quick disclaimer we are trying a new format for this episode of tv obscura uh we discussed offline that for bigger shows ones where we kind of like really want to dive into multiple episodes we're gonna feature kind of do it like this you know have a whole episode dedicated uh spoiler alert we're probably going to do this again with captain power in the future but uh right Mm. now it's kind of a test run uh, for for how co- how we're going to cover a full show, so I'll just give you a little bit of a heads up. Um, I'm going to be talking about the history of Werewolf plus the pilot. Uh, Zach is going to be tackling um, t- two episodes from the middle because we just looked up what was like the highest rated. So Zach yeah. is going to be tackling To Dream of Wolves parts one and two. It was episodes 25 and 26, and then Diallo is going to tackle the very pathetic finale. <laughs> Um, but, but he's also going to tackle a couple more episodes because, yeah, his, his the episode we gave him kind of sucked. So uh, he's going to piece it all together for us. But uh, before I jump into what's going on with, like, you know, the, the show and everything, the history behind it and everything, what is our experience with the show? Diallo, what, what's your experience with Werewolf 1987? Uh, where, uh, so... F- you know, I was in high school, I think maybe like sophomore year when Fox hit the airwaves. So I was kind of in that super target demographic that, that they were trying to hit with like uh, teens and 18 through 20, whatever. Um, so, you know, I was all about Fox and this show called Werewolf came on. Um, it was on Saturday nights and it just blew me away. Like I'd never seen anything like that on television. The key word yeah. is on television. Yeah. And, um, you know, if anybody goes back and watches it, you're obviously going to be judging it against like what they can do today. But, um, this was like a huge feat and a big attempt um for what they could do on tv and even uh, the movie wolf that came out in 97 10 years later um was uh sort of like uh like groundbreaking in film and still wasn't able to capture all of the glory um so just to put this show into perspective um but yeah, we used to watch it religiously on um, Saturday nights and then at church the next day with some of my friends <laughs> talking about the episode. And we were just, I don't know, we were just really into it. And um, But, you know, it's just like um, most things of that time, it was only on one season and it just kind of went away and always remembered it, but never really stumbled across it ever. And, you know... Um, and we found out why the yeah, yeah, but we'll dive into that yeah more. we'll dive into that yeah. but um yeah this is a this is a show that like near and dear to my heart and um yeah, again lots of memories of just uh like i wasn't a party goer when i was in high school so i was i was at home on fridays and saturday nights watching tv and this was uh this was one of the highlights of the weekend 
you and I, even though we were, we were different time frames or whatever, I we had the same high school experience. I was a bit of a nerd or whatever. I never didn't got to parties and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, stayed home, played video games, hung out with my friends, watched movies and TV. Yeah. Uh, Zach, what is your history with Werewolf 1987? This series? Well, I think all, all three of us are the same yeah. in that <laughs> Spoiler way. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I'd rather be home watching TV and living the fantasy life than uh, being a part of reality, which wasn't also so wasn't all that great i think i was 11 years old at the time eight in 87 yeah and uh similar to what diallo said you know horror television series up until this point had been really good like tales from the dark side and uh for example monsters is another one that obviously we've covered both but nothing had been on like mainstream tv a mainstream network and that wasn't syndicated uh i think Friday the 13th, the series came out the same year, but that was syndicated. So for something to come out in prime time uh, on, a, on, a, on a Friday night and be as gritty and as dark in its initial episodes, at least, yeah. as it was, uh, and have special effects that, yeah, by today's standards are not uh, not amazing, but by 87 standards were pretty freaking great. Uh, dare I say the best looking werewolf uh, makeup up until that point. Like this was the best in 87. And I don't think anything else compared to this, uh, you know, possibly, well, monster squad came out the same year, but and I mean, I would say that's a different beast though, you know, movie versus TV budget. I would say yeah. your first statement, this is the best looking werewolf. I'd say on TV. Absolutely. But then as far as like on, and as compared to movies go, I'd give it like top three. I'd give it, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's up there with the Howling and Monster Squad's uh, Stan Winston esque looking, uh, you know, m- uh, werewolf. Yeah, same, yeah, the yeah. same werewolf with a bigger budget and different shots and able to do more takes, different lighting. It would have held up just as much. So it was like yeah. the, the werewolf of the werewolf itself was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And and obviously uh, the people that worked on the makeup on the werewolf, Rick Baker was the one who designed the werewolf. There you go. That's why it looks as good as it does, because it is Rick Baker. And if you don't know who Rick Baker is, what the hell are you doing listening to our show? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) He has experience with another werewolf, correct? Yes, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, he was uh, he did the American werewolf in London. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. Which I I see shades of the face in this, you know, with the snout and the pointy ears and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Dare I say one of the most uh, well, we'll talk about the transformations as we get into this. But dare I say one of the most interesting transformations for one of the werewolves I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Yep, I noted that as well, my friend, and we are definitely going to talk about that one. Uh, Yeah, same as you guys. I watched the hell out of this when I was a kid. I think I'm the youngest of the three of us, so I think I was nine when it hit. But if this thing came out either Friday or Saturday, uh, that I can remember... This is why I watched the shit out of it with Luke, because we would always hang out on the weekends and whatnot. And I remember, I think it was our our Halloween of 87, we went as werewolves, uh, you know, for Halloween, both of us. And wow. we found, like, cool werewolves masks and everything. And I guarantee you it was inspired by this show right here. So, and like you guys... I haven't fucking seen it in 35 (laughs) years. It's lived in my memory fondly for so long. But at the same time, I was telling my wife, I got shit confused in my head. Like, I thought 
just you know before I watched this, I thought the the bounty hunter was also a werewolf. I think I kind mm-hmm. of merged the the old guy and the bounty hunter together in my head, yada yada yada. But boy oh boy, I just want to say right now. Holy shit, this show holds up really fucking well. Uh, before we, again, before we jump into really the nitty gritty of it, just high level thoughts. Just what did you think of it 35 years later? I give it two thumbs up. You know, it's it's not like perfect all the way through. There's some episodes that aren't great, but for the most part, it's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, Diallo, thumbs up or thumbs down? Yeah, I give it, I give it like one and a half thumbs up. Um, I, I was struck by just how... Like, I was impressed by what they did, but then I also, looking at the werewolf, I was like, man, like, we really have come a long way. (laughs) (laughs) But I remember at the time, that was the best they could do, and I I mean, I was blown away by that show at the time, so, it like, and it still mostly holds up, so, yeah, yeah, definitely, you know, it's one of those ones where I'm just like, yeah, this, like, it. I think I texted you guys before. I was like, like this is a show that again, once again, it's a uh, it was just ahead of its time, and that was its yeah. only only problem with it. It's, it's probably that in the budget. Yep, that yeah. I'm sure the budget didn't help it. Yeah. Uh, Zach, thumbs up or thumbs down on how well this holds up in 2022? Definitely thumbs up. I think because by today's standards, most television series are you know 12 episodes, 10 episodes, nine episodes, eight episodes. So they pack all the best content and they shave off all the fat basically uh back in the day you had to fill a lot more time slots and you were at the you know uh sadly you were at the uh you know the the what do you call it the you had to you basically had to appease the network gods by just throwing stuff out there on occasion so yeah there's some episodes that don't hit uh, case in point, the finale. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it's not even the finale. It's the, just let's just call it the last episode of the series that aired. Yeah. That aired, right? Yeah. Because uh, it's not it's not a finale by any means whatsoever. But uh, I give it a total two thumbs up. Um, yeah, I love it. I love it. I love the premise. It take definitely takes shades from a lot of other series, and and just elements of other television shows and tropes from you know movies and whatnot. But it does it in a really it does it in a really original way, in my opinion. I think I, I agree. I agree. And when we talk about the creator's pedigree, I think you will sort of uh, get the idea of, of, of the quality of this show. No um, doubt. So I'm gonna give us the backstory and the history on on this, and we're gonna talk about a couple key cast members here. And then when we dive into each segment, and we talk about the pilot, yada, 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 we're going to talk about any specific actors in, in those chunks. So we'll keep talking about, because there's a lot of cool guest spots in this series, and I do want to shout out all the awesome actors that we do see along the line. But at the beginning, we're going to talk about just the few that kind of go throughout the whole series. Um, so Werewolf is an American horror series created by Frank Lupo. Now, that's the pedigree I was talking about. He co-created The A-Team, Renegade, Wise Guy, and Hunter. Keep going. Riptide. Yeah, Riptide. Hardball. Hardball with our boy Richard Tyson. Yep. For example. For example. Riptide's definitely going to show up on our show. Yeah, nice. I can't wait. I, I can't wait till we do Riptide, actually. I, both of you guys have mentioned that one, and I, I'm excited for that one. Um, and as I mentioned, this was one of Sh- uh, Fox's inaugural shows. Where I also want to. Oh, yep. sorry. I also want to throw out their greatest American hero. <laughs> oh, did he create that too? 
Yep. Oh, uh, wise Wise Guy. Um, yeah. Oh, you mentioned Wise Guy. Sorry. And, and Hunter, which I love. Uh, you know, he didn't create Greatest American Hero, but he wrote uh, 10 episodes of the series. So, okay. Nice. Know. So yeah, he's got a I strong, mean, strong TV background. Battlestar Galactica, he wrote. BJ and the Bear, he wrote. I mean, we're, we're speaking Diallo's love language right now. <laughs> so many shows, you know, so many shows. Anyways, sorry, yeah, didn't no. mean to cut you off there. No, no, thank you, thank you. I, I think that illustrates the quality uh, or as to why the quality for, for this show is so high. Uh, Werewolf lasted one season for 29 episodes. The pilot was two hours, uh, but each episode after that was only 30 minutes. So the show follows the adventures of Eric Cord, played by John J. York, a college student transformed into a werewolf who undergoes a quest to rid himself of his curse by killing the apparent originator of his bloodline, a drifter named Janos Skorinski. Skorzini. Skorzini. Janos Skorzini. By the way, this character was named after the vampire in uh, the Night Stalker TV series. Uh, while pursuing Skorzini, Kord himself is pursued by the persistent bounty hunter Alamo Joe Rogan. <laughs> Joe Rogan. <laughs> I know, right? I, I, I did a double take when I saw that. Every uh, time I, they said his name, I was like, oh, that guy. Uh, oh, that, that fucking guy. The guy from Just Shoot Me. Later, Cord hunts Nicholas Remy, played by Brian Thompson, the real originator of the bloodline. We're going to talk more about Brian Thompson uh, later, but right now, let's just talk about the three main uh, characters that you're going to see throughout the course of this show. John J. York. Zach, you want to tell us about him? Yeah, he was uh, mostly a soap actor. And, you know, I mean, I know I only knew him from this show, loved him in this show, but he was on General Hospital forever and all my children and had a had an episode of Murder, She Wrote. Rest in peace to Murder, she wrote. our and amazing. Murder, yeah. She wrote. Angela yeah. Lansbury. Angela just R.I.P. R.I.P. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but no. Yeah. Mostly, you know, t- TV, sh- TV series. Um made for TV movies, stuff like that. And he's, you know, spent most of his time on the soap opera circuit. Yeah. Good uh, money in there. Yeah, sure is. Good good work right there. Holding um, it down on Days of Our Lives, man. Mm-hmm. Alamo Joe, we'll just keep him as Alamo Joe. We can drop the Rogan. Is played by Lance Legault. Uh, he's he's really cool in this, but I kind of don't really recognize him until I stumbled upon he played uh, the Reverend, aka spoiler alert, the 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 killer in Nightmare Beach. Uh, that was actually a movie from 1989. Uh, that was actually a movie that I picked up from Kino uh, Lober, uh, Lorber on uh, Blu-ray for like eight bucks or something like that. I was like, fuck it, I'll get that. And watch it. It's a fun movie, Nightmare Beach. Check it out. It's um, nice. I think it was like an Italian horror film, but filmed in, in America, so it had kind of a weird vibe to it. David Irons probably knows more about the backstory of uh, Nightmare Beach. But um, he was I'm- also in Stripes as Colonel Glass. I knew him as Colonel Decker on the A team. That's yes. That's where yes. I knew him. As soon as he popped on screen, I was like, "Whoa, I know that guy." There you go. And of course, he's yeah, got I one mean, of those with the back with the connection between Lupo and the A team. Yeah, yeah. There you go. And he's got one of those, uh, you know, gravelly voices like Michael Wincott before Michael Wincott. He yeah. he's got such a great tone to the way he talks, even though he's a uh, part Indian. 
apparently. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. I, I shouldn't be calling it that nowadays because that's not very culturally appropriate. But, you know, uh, back you in know 1987, what? they didn't give a shit. They actually... Um, Alamo Joe. <laughs> they actually did a little bit of um, acknowledgement of his not actually being um, Indian in real life by having him be conflicted. It was actually a part of his uh, character um, to, like, not appreciate his Indian heritage. And I think there were a couple episodes that they kind of focused on that, actually. So cool. they did work it in. It wasn't at least it wasn't uh, <laughs> a blatant John Wayne showing up as Genghis <laughs> Khan. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> um, and then finally, he's technically through almost half most of the C- series, but he, but not really at the same time. So Chuck Connors fucking chuck connors from <laughs> old yeller man fucking soil and green this dude is like an old school like cowboy type of dude what was else what else was he in was it shane or something like that shane. uh well he yeah, was an old yeller tourist trap he played a it was a that's a kind of a a cult horror film uh it's not it's it's okay but he he's good in tourist trap but he was a pro basketball player too oh no shit yeah okay um he played for the uh what team did he play for he played for the um oh god i got i just i'm gonna say the celtics just because uh i feel like it was the celtics i feel like he is a celtic player and and it's and it's not shane it was the uh the virginian that's what i that's what i was thinking of um but he early in his career he did a lot of like western stuff and everything but he's he's an old school guy um but he played for the dodgers the cubs and the celtics jesus so he was like you know well he did play for the celtics i pulled that out of my the recesses of my subconscious so we do have to call out the fact that He's in the pilot, and his character is in the rest of the series, but Chuck Connors himself sort of isn't. Uh, After the pilot, he wanted to renegotiate his contract for more money. Various episodes were written to feature his character, and they were shot without Connors, using only scenes with him in his werewolf form, plus a human body double with no dialogue. Uh, Series creator Frank Lupo asked uh, the, the producers to kill off uh, him in uh, Dream of Wolves. So that was the two-parter. Uh, he's in it, sort of. Connors agreed to return for the finale. The script was originally written as a three-parter, with Connors playing the first two parts. Uh, but two days before shooting, uh, they were informed that Connors would not take the part. The first two episodes were collapsed into one. All of his dialogue was now cut, aside from flashback stuff featuring a younger actor. Uh, and his part was rewritten to show him creatively kneeling before the uh, the main bad guy. Uh, in the final fight between Eric and him, the, our main character, our, our protagonist, he now he Eric scars him, so scars his face uh, before sort of electrocuting him and shit. So that way, when he turns back into human form, uh, they can use the same body double and just play him with disfigured makeup. But he Chuck Connors was so fucking good. In yeah. the pilot, it's it's just a damn shame that it seems like he just uh, talked himself out of the role by uh, trying to gouge more money out of it. Yeah, it's almost like the nail was already in the coffin on this show the minute it started. Right, that it doesn't seem like that. Like kind of like bodes well, you know, like when right out of the villain. gate. Your lead villain, yeah, right? your lead villain doesn't want to. That would not fly nowadays. Yeah, I mean, 
people do it all the time and then you know but yeah the, back in the day if shit like that went down it makes total sense why this this show suffered as it did so just a few more things the series was similar in tone to the fugitive and the incredible hulk but felt yep. felt more contemporary due to the rock inspired soundtrack uh zach can you tell us about who who composed the score yeah sylvester levey uh, which most people may not know that name, but he has worked on many notable 80s movies, including Cobra, uh, Howard the Duck, <laughs> <laughs> Fatal Beauty, which I love that movie. If you've never seen Fatal Beauty, it's directed. Uh, that is also directed by the same director as Fright Night, Tom Holland. Mm. No relation. <laughs> um, but he's worked on, you know, Flashdance. He's worked on... Uh, so many, so many sh- body rock, which is a favorite of uh, one of our faithful listeners and friends, Aaron Don Gilmer. Yeah. He's worked on a lot of projects that have that kind of great sound. It reminded me a little bit of um, a little bit of uh, shades of like Brad Fidel, you mm. know, who did the, the Fright Night, obviously. Uh, that that guitar sound, that classic kind of like. Now it's classic, but in the 80s, it was such a quintessential 80s sound to have that that blistering electric guitar throughout. Really made it sound cool. Uh, certain scenes sounded sexy. There was an awkward moment where um, where uh, Eric is is kissing uh, his well his girlfriend, who you'll talk about in just a minute. Uh, and it's such an awkward moment when he does, and suddenly the guitar just kicks in like, wow, and you're like, oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> turn that awkwardness upside Anyways, down. I love Sylvester LeVay. He's a great composer. And you know what? The score in this this show is fantastic. It's so much fun. Phenomenal. And for those of you who are wondering why there is no DVD or Blu-ray for this, uh, and in the States at least, because as we know, our pal Robert Ortiz, uh, he, he has the uh, French version, I believe. Um, I think you can still get it relatively cheap on Amazon. But, of course, you know, it's going to be region whatever. So you have to have a region-free player. But uh, the complete series was to be released by Shout Factory in 2009. But it was canceled due to a music license issue concerning three songs. I'm assuming two of those songs, because we hear them both in the pilot, is uh, Silent Running by Mike and the Mechanics. And future so bright, I gotta wear shades by Tim Buck Three. I don't, I didn't hear what maybe the third song was, but dude, guys, two minutes into the pilot, Mike and the Mecha- Mechanics Silent Running is playing. I was like, this isn't why it's coming out here ever, because <laughs> Fox is never gonna pay whatever Mike and the Mechanics wants. They're never gonna pay for those rights for this song for for this, such a a niche show like this. They're, it's just numbers they're going to crunch the numbers and going to be like project how many people are going to buy this dvd blu-ray set versus how much it's going to cost to get the rights to these handful of songs and yet again this show will disappear into history because of fucking music rights i think the only show that uh one of the few shows that can uh, survive because of music rights is miami vice (laughs) it's one of the few shows that just you know because it was popular enough to garner uh, the the studio to shell out some money, but yeah. like I don't I don't besmirch Mike and the Mechanics for getting some you know well deserved dough, but come on Fox, you got the money, do it. You know well, it's, it's Disney now, so or Disney, come on Disney, yeah. you do it. Yeah, you know 
I mean, because even, you know, we were talking about it a little bit um, earlier and um, like even a show that was really popular, Moonlighting, has the same issues. Like it hasn't um, been released on streaming, which we found out today. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) Dial and I were talking, we're like, well, yeah, I don't know how it came up. But yes, Dial and I both discovered at the same time that (laughs) Moonlighting is not on streaming, which is funny because I actually really wanted to rewatch that show. Mm hmm. Yeah, well, they're so, rebooting it, so you're unfortunately fuck they're that. rebooting that. Fuck and that way back in the day, uh, like a few years ago, I was rewatching um, Quantum Leap, and it was on both Netflix and Hulu. And I remember watching it on Hulu, I think it was, and they didn't even have the first episode. And I found out it was because it had music on it that they didn't have the rights to. Um, so I went to I went to Netflix that had the entire series. Um, and I know that they've changed. I think they changed some music on an episode as well. Um, oh. That's kind of key to the show. I think it was Georgia on my mind, and they it was a key to a moment, and they had to change it. So, music rights are like I said, like Zach said, I like I they 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 should all get paid, but it's sad that we have to kind of miss out on hundreds of hours of content for like you know three minutes if that of a yeah of a song so i let me ask you this would you guys prefer like what do to for them to do it like they did with supernatural the first couple seasons of supernatural which is take out all the acdc and the boston songs and replace it with horrible horrible muzak versions of them would you and but the show is still out but it has kind of like you know it's a little bit neutered or would you just prefer it to just disappear unless we have the the correct version? I am a correct version person because I, I think that those those moments are tied into your feelings about something. Yep. It's I mean, it's just the same thing with the score. You could replace a score to a movie to Star Wars or Superman, it wouldn't be the same movie. Um, so yep. um, I would prefer, and I I remember back of the day, way back of the day when they first were having bosom buddies in syndication, and they didn't have the uh, "This Is My Life" song on yeah. it, um, and they had some other random opening music to it, and it, it took away from it because that opening music was you in- a part of my memory of the show, and so. I still watch the show every time, but it was just, and that was, I was so young, I, I didn't realize why they changed it, but that was why. Yeah. That was, I, when I watched um, uh, Married with, no, yeah, Married with Children on Crackle, like probably about seven years ago or something, they didn't have the Love and Marriage what? opening song because I guess they didn't get the rights for it. And wow. I was like, well, well I'm, I'm turning this off because this is garbage. Yeah. And it was just some generic trying to sound like that song type of thing. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. No. One of my biggest complaints uh, was always with uh, the music for wrestlers coming out to the ring because mm. they would come out to the, the one of the biggest hooks for a wrestler was his his or her theme song right as they came down the aisle, and when the WWF turned to WWE and they released all these old matches, I got so excited because the the Road Warriors used to come out to Iron Man, and uh, Flying Brian Pillman used to come out to Rocket by Def Leppard. And um, the, the, the fabulous, fabulous Freebirds would come out to Freebirds, you know, and they cut all of that with this generic like house music. Um, Sting used to come out to a Metallica song and it's like everything got changed to this just generic, just stock footage music. And it totally ruined 
the excitement of seeing this person come down the ring you know it just totally changed the whole thing so yeah i'm on board it's like all or nothing if you're gonna do it great do it with the music if not don't give me dawson's creek without uh that paula, <laughs> paula poundstone song whatever her name is paula, paula cole. cole yeah uh, paula you, poundstone too yeah <laughs> you brought up a good point because i remember when they first started like i was able to watch uh saturday night's main events again and they didn't yeah. have they had that sort of stock music that they used towards the end of the run of the show, but they didn't have the stuff from uh, the You Are an Obsession that was like, again, an integral part of the experience of watching Saturday Night's main event. And for me, like, you know, music is so important. It's so funny how they will just casually, it feels like, cut it out. Um, And and expect us not to notice, you know? But or expect does. us not to give a shit. Right, exactly, you know? exactly. And yeah. I, I'll just tie it all up. I'm exact same way you all are. Uh, it's all or nothing. I want the correct version, or I'm never going to watch it. That's why I'll never watch Supernatural. Sorry. I've never seen that show, but oftentimes when I go to the gym, when I go to the gym, it'll be on uh, one of the TV screens. And I was watching one where this woman, they blew up this woman's head. Like she was like an FBI wow. agent or something. They were in a... They look like a saw kind of room where they're all stuck in a room with some devil looking dude. And he blew up her head. I'm like, (laughs) they blew up her head. Holy (laughs) shit. That's a shocker. That's awesome. That's awesome. (laughs) But everybody's clothes look so clean. I'm like, if you're on the road all the time, 24-7, your clothes are not going to look that clean. No. no. <laughs> Case in point. Look at, you know who does that so well is Phantasm 2. Look at Mike and Reggie. They've been on the road. They look weathered. That's how you do it. Thank you, Don Coscarelli. <laughs> or Eric Cord. You know, you lose your clothes. Right? Yeah, you go. Bring it back to werewolf. <laughs> Bring them, and then you pull them off. A, you pull clothes off a telephone wire. <laughs> there you go. All right. Before we jump into the pilot, uh, we have some some fun things for you all the, this episode. We have some voicemails from across uh, the BFOP network and from some uh, some podcasting friends of ours talking about some of their favorite Halloween uh, nostalgic memories from their childhood, specifically TV stuff and everything. So let's listen to a few of them now. Hey, it's Adam from Cartwright of Sunfield Podcast, Blast from a Past Podcast, and Throwback Trivia Takedown. And one of my absolute favorite Halloween episodes from any TV show is Who Got D Pregnant from season six of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I know this is not your typical scary type of episode, but it is hilarious. It fits perfectly with the Always Sunny crew. Um, I love that you get a lot of cameos. You get the McPoyles in this one. You also get... D gradually turning further and further into a bird with each and every story that's being retold onto who might have gotten her pregnant. The idea of, was it Charlie or Mac or Dennis that got her pregnant? It's insane and it is funny as fuck. So that one stands uh, as just one of the best episodes and a great episode of Always Sunny in general. Hey guys, this is Tim from Talking Back. I have lots of things I like to watch during the Halloween season. But if I could only watch one thing, it would definitely be Garfield's Halloween Adventure. When I was younger and Halloween was close, I'd grab the TV guide, I'd find out exactly when this special was going to air, and I'd definitely be there to watch it. 
I own it now on DVD, so I can watch it anytime I want, but I always save it for Halloween night. It's a really fun story. It's got a catchy tune in it. There's lots of great jokes. And I only recently realized it's based on John Carpenter's The Fog. I joined up with you guys to talk about The Fog on your Carpenter walkthrough series on Patreon. And I hadn't seen it before and was very excited to see that um, it had influences on Garfield's Halloween special. I thought that was really cool. I would recommend Garfield's Halloween Adventure to anybody. It's an all-time classic. It won an Emmy. It's a perfect addition to any Halloween watch list. I hope you guys will check it out and hope you have a great Halloween season. Hey, this is Dean from Return Revenge Resurrection, and my favorite episodes of The Simpsons were always the Treehouse of Horror episodes. Being a kid who didn't watch any horror movies, I loved when The Simpsons parodied horror because it made me feel like I now knew about those movies. And one of my favorite Treehouse of Horror episodes was in the Treehouse of Horror 5 called The Shinning, which is a parody of The Shining. Uh, This episode felt even more bloody and violent than the previous episodes, which makes it stand out. But it was also absolutely hilarious. From Homer saying, no TV and no beer make Homer something something, to the blood coming out of the elevator and Mr. Burns saying, that's weird, the blood usually gets off on the second floor. I just was laughing through this whole thing. I loved every single second of this one. And then seeing The Shining later in my life, it made it even more funny from all the things they were parodying. From our podcast to you, have a happy Halloween. All right. Werewolf, the pilot episode. Grad student Eric Cord becomes infected with lycanthropy after his friend turns into a werewolf and attacks him. Now Eric and his girlfriend are after the monster that infected his friend, and a tough cowboy bounty hunter pursues Eric. That's pretty concise. Um, I do want to call out a couple actors and actresses that are in this episode that don't appear in the rest of the series before we sort of uh, go on. Um, First off is his friend, Ted, who's technically the first werewolf in this in the show um he he actually is the one that has the lycanthropy and everything and we'll talk about in a second sort of what goes on in this episode but he's played by Raphael Sabarge um I kind of know him from Once Upon a Time he played Jiminy Cricket in Once Upon a Time that series from 2011 to 2018 but he was also in Risky Business as well and a shit ton of other stuff but I'll always my recognize him project. as once. There you go. My science project. My science project is one of my one of my favorites of his. Okay. He did Very a lot cool. of uh, Lucas Arts voices. Uh, a star uh, Rogue Squadron, Grim Fandango. I think he did uh, Roughnecks uh, episodes. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's he is a prolific actor. N- Knights of the Old Republic. Ugh. Karth Anasi. So yeah. So. so so good. Yeah. Um, we have in a very, very sort of small role, John Quaid uh, plays this kind of surly storage unit owner type of thing, but <laughs> I always know him from every which way but loose. <laughs> He's got that look. Uh, he was also in Hunter as well, um, but if you, if you see him, you'd recognize him. Quaid. He, he creeps me out because he looks like this, like... I'm sorry, but he looks like a scummy, like pedophile. Just, does like, have that? Who, who vibe. wants to get all up on your shit? Like, 
Come on over here and talk to your Uncle Jesse for a second. Come sit on his lap. Come here. I just want to. What? My finger didn't mean to go in there. What's wrong? Come on. He definitely has that look about him. So gross. He's good. He's a good actor. I actually remember him from an episode when I saw him. uh, He was in this, to me, classic two-parter episode of Buck Rogers in the 25th century. He was like a kind of a strong man bounty hunter type with a group of other mutants that were chasing that Buck. makes sense yeah nice and he was in chips and one he's been in a shit ton of stuff yeah. he was in battlestar galactica as well um in a very tiny tiny microscopic role that i didn't even realize was him uh in, in the beginning of this episode as the first victim we have lyndon ashby famously as johnny cage in the first mortal kombat I didn't even recognize him because when I was watching this episode on my phone, it was too small and too dark for me to be. I just I saw it was a guy and a girl, and that's all I knew. I knew him as Dr. Brett Cooper from Melrose Place, but that's yeah, me too. That's how I roll. Me too. Hey, same, I, I've got same, no same shade. Risk. I got no shade against Melrose Place. I watched that show pr- probably from the very first episode. Yeah. Almost, I would say almost to the end. I remember when What's Her Nuts with the red hair took off her wig and she had mm-hmm. her scarred head and everything. What's yeah. Her Nuts? Dude, I watched all I saw, of Melrose I saw Place. her in the CVS by my house one time. It was wild. Oh, my God. You say, take off your wig. Let me see your burned head. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, are uh, you are you making a Melrose Place reference in 2020? <laughs> Don't do it. She was more famous for Desperate Housewives by that yeah. point, but still, yeah. that would have yeah. been hilarious. Uh, um, apparently, Lyndon Ashby's been in a shit ton of stuff. Yeah. He was in that Teen Wolf series, too. Yeah, dude, yeah. dude's been working, but you'll always be Johnny Cage to me. <laughs> I remember seeing him in that Resident Evil Extinction movie, and I was like, oh, that, he's the highlight, and that's it. Well, that's <laughs> done. If he's your highlight, oh, I don't want to throw any shade at Lyndon Ashby. I love the man. Um, How about his girlfriend in that? Well, the girl he was dating. Well, his 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 the girl he picked up from the club in that. Sure, call call her out, buddy. What do you she know? Her Gail from? O'Grady. Gail hot. O'Grady was uh, on nine uh, NYPD Blue. I mean, that was, and she was uh, on. Actually, she's been in a ton of stuff from the eighties till now. If you look her up, um, oh yeah, she was on. She very, was on NYPD Blue for like like nine or six years or something. Yep, she had an infamous, uh, you know, quote unquote nude scene oh, like yeah. uh, David Caruso did back in the day, and, yep. and that was like a big claim to fame on that show. They're pushing the envelope, right? And but no, she's a tremendous actor. Um, big fan of hers. And she I'm, was on I, Desperate I love, Housewives. Was she? Yeah, she had a like a few a few roles. Yeah, I mean cool. a few episodes. Good old, right on. Good old werewolf bringing people together. Yeah. Uh, one more smaller one, and then we'll, I'm going to end with the, the bigger name. Um, we have as the bail bondsman, Ethan Phillips, my who boy. I know as Neelix from Star Trek Voyager. That's my boy. I know him from Benson. Yeah, I know him from Benson, oh, Benson and Neelix. Yeah. I used to watch Benson. Holy shit, I forgot yeah. he was in that. He ended oh, up with the, um, the secretary woman yep. right whatever i, can't I used to love that show yeah. benson used to be one time. of those shows that i fucking loved back in the day yeah oh was man. it because we loved it or was it because there was nothing else on you no it was because it was amazing <laughs> and don't even start i love robert guillaume <laughs> don't even start and finally saving the best for last uh she oh, was yeah, she's, sure are. she's only in 
the pilot, but she plays a big role. She plays um, Eric Cord's uh, girlfriend and also is also Ted's sister, too. But uh, Kelly Nichols, played by Michelle Johnson, who I know recently from Waxwork, because you and I talked about that. Uh, oh, shit. It's probably a year ago now. Good Lord, time flies. But, Zach, throw out some more places we, we uh, everyone podcasting after our listeners should know her from, besides well, Herman's D- Head. D- Diallo and I know her from Waxwork, and uh, <clears throat> I'm not going to say... Uh, how long we lasted in the waxwork screening, but she would did it. She was at a screening of waxwork at the Egyptian theater. Uh, but my God, back in the day, she was on so many straight to video type movies. Um, usually she, I mean, she typically paid play. She typically played the sultry, sexy femme fatale definitely has shades of Marilyn Monroe in her. She has even the way she talks like and I and I mean that in the in the um in the most respectful way. I don't mean like she's copying Marilyn Monroe and there's just a quality about her where I'm like why this woman should have been like in more mainstream stuff. But she was in Blame It on Rio. That was like maybe her first big movie she ever did. Uh and you know, if you if you go and search Blame her her role in Blame It on Rio, make sure your kids are not around because it's <laughs> definitely NSFW. Uh, but she's been in a bunch of stuff. Like this Gung Ho. She's, uh, you and I were Charles just talking Charge. about Gung Ho, bro. We were just talking about Gung Ho. Uh, but, she, you know, she's been in, uh, she was in a great episode of Tales from the Crypt with um, Brian James, uh, who plays like a psycho. She, that, he's like her psycho boyfriend. Uh, and... She, uh, she, that, well, she, she does shows her, uh, tremendously, uh, her assets in that as well. She could have been on Game of Thrones is what you're saying. Yes, yeah. she could have been yeah. on Game of Thrones. I mean, I love how they list Death Becomes Her as a second movie she was in, but she's been in so many other things it, back in the day. She it, was in a Mower's Place also for a couple episodes. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say, she, I think she was on there for like a year on Melrose's Place. And she was on, just we were just talking about Moonlighting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and really quick, if you've never seen it, because uh, it's it's not a bad like straight to video thriller. It's called Body Shot. Came on nineteen ninety four. Robert Patrick is in it. Ray Weiss is in it. Jonathan Banks is in it. Uh, it's got a really really great cast, and she's uh, the second uh, lead. She plays the again like a femme fatale kind of character in that movie. So go check out Body Shot. She was yeah. in the Glimmer Man with. Keenan Ivory Wayans <laughs> and Steven Seagal. Body Glimmer Man. God damn it, Glimmer Man. <laughs> Me and my buddies made fun of that movie so oh, hard man. back in the day, dude. Oh, I totally forgot about that movie. Oh, man. <laughs> so the pilot episode, two hours long. I'll just give a sort of a brief play-by-play. I'll go through it really quick, and then we'll just talk about it in general. Um, you, the show, the episode opens with a couple getting killed in a Volkswagen VW bug after a club. And you see, you know, a werewolf comes blasting through the, the windshield. And it's a really great shot of the werewolf's head and everything. Then we immediately start learning about, you know, Eric Col- uh, Cord and his girlfriend and their family and everything. Uh, we find out that his roommate is her brother. And Ted 
is the one that was doing all the the killing. He was he's the werewolf. So he ties himself up, gives Eric a gun, and says, "Hey, at midnight, I'm gonna turn and I want you to kill me." Because they established the only way you can kill a werewolf is they either kill themselves, another werewolf kills them, or a silver bullet kills them. That's the only way you could basically not be a werewolf. You find out later that you can also sever the bloodline if you can kill the head of whatever that bloodline is who, you know, made you, made the person in front of you, yada, yada, yada. You can basically free everybody in that bloodline. Uh, he, his friend Ted turns, attacks Eric. Eric gets sort of bit and cut up, so he's obviously infected, but he kills Eric. He shoots him dead. Winds up on trial for that, which I appreciated that this episode didn't just jump into uh you know him being on the run and everything but they actually have a trial he has to um you know basically put up his car for bail and everything and that's why there's a bounty hunter after him him and his girlfriend then go track down Jonas the guy played by Chuck Connors who was who they think is the one that turned Ted into the werewolf and if they kill him they will free Eric a fight ensues yada 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 the episode ends with she go the girlfriend she goes her separate ways um and then eric is basically becomes you know the fugitive bruce banner he's just hitchhiking from town to town to town and everything um real quick i do apologize i did want to talk about the director of the uh, pilot episode before we jump into general discussions the director is david hennings he is a huge actor from the 60s blow up Barbarella, Deep Red. You even saw him in Gladiator as Cassius. But so many more, so many other uh, roles under his belt. Uh, Zachary Diallo, throw some more out at us. I mean, you named uh, Blow Up. I actually just I went to theater three years ago um, and watched that uh, uh, live again. Or not live, whatever. Um, yeah. uh, by uh, Michelangelo Antonioni, and it's one of my all-time favorite wild ride movies. It's so good. I had I watched it. Had to. I, I enjoyed watching it, but I had to watch it in uh, college in film mm-hmm. school, and uh, it was definitely one of the movies that I really fucking loved. Yeah, yeah. He's been in a bunch of great, like A-list movies, B-list movies, uh, horror films like Deep Red, Great Giallo, and the uh, Harlequin. If you've never seen Harlequin, that is a great. Uh, cult film as well. I do want to point out he he's actually a pretty prolific television director. He directed episodes of Hardball, uh, Raven. Raven was a cool TV series in the early '90s that'll probably show up on this uh, on our show. Quantum Leap. Um, Never heard of it. <laughs> right. Uh, he directed eight episodes of Werewolf. So of oh, Stingray, uh, Murder She Wrote, The A Team. So Magnum PI. You know, he's done a lot of television directing as well. Very, very prolific. So, yeah. So, pilot episode. I'll just give you my thoughts, but we'll, we'll be talking about a bunch of different cool shit. Great. It's, it's so much fun. This episode, this pilot was fantastic. I think the music was amazing. Uh, the, the action was awesome. The werewolf looked great. The pacing was really good. I think it's and it sets you up for what's coming in the series. I think it's it's a prime example of how to do a pilot right. Uh, Diallo, what are what, give us some thoughts on the pilot? It, it was kind of interesting to me because it was a lot more 
uh, slow and brooding than I would have expected for that era. Um, instead of like kind of pushing along, it kind of sat and explained thoroughly his background and character. Um, to I think I think it was good for the length of the series. It, I felt like it slowed down the the pilot a little bit, but it, nothing nothing major. But anyways, I think that the pacing to me was actually anything that I would see like on a regular uh, or original series on Netflix or something. Um, <laughs> it just you know like uh, I'm gonna bring up Midnight Mass, which everybody loves, and I actually can't stand, but. Um, but it actually um, kind of matches to me at least that the sort of like deliberate broodingness and um, I thought it actually was pretty effective because um, I actually connected to the character pretty deeply by the end because um, I really understood where he was coming from and the dilemmas he had and I also really appreciated um, it was a little bit more complex. I think you just brought it up a little bit, but it was, a, it was a little bit more complex of how he ends up on the run. It wasn't just like it, they could have just sent him off on the run right when his roommate dies. But yeah. that's kind of like what I was expecting to happen. You know? Yeah, but there was more to it than that, and I actually thought I actually really appreciated that. Um, so yeah, like it, seeing the tr- little a little bit of a trial. Like I, I feel like. They didn't, it was only like maybe a five minute scene, you know, him in the courtroom and everything. So mm-hmm. they didn't show you like any kind of full trial or anything, but I thought the dialogue was fun. You know, it's, it's just a, you know, his, his, his lawyer is like this, you know, it's just a hearing. He's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's, it's just a hearing where I'm getting sentenced for murder. You know, his lawyer's like, oh, but it's okay. There'll be bail, you know, that you'll post bail, yada, yada, yada. I was like, they didn't have to do any of this, but I like that they did because it helped me. Uh, it helped me as a viewer become more endeared with Eric Cord and, and his plight and everything. It helped him maintain. I mean, it helped him maintain his relationship with the girlfriend and made it plausible that she would like, you know, assuming the show would go on for seasons, that there would be that opening for them to meet up again and get back together so there's that like a need to get back home to her but also it added a layer of complexity for the uh bounty hunter uh lancelot galt's character who like understood that this was a werewolf but he also was just tasked to do a job um so he sort of like was an antagonist but he wasn't the villain and right um that set that up too because i think he gets hired by the the, he gets hired, he gets by, hired by Neelix. <laughs> he yeah. pretty much gets hired by Neelix. You never see Neelix after the first episode. Yeah. But yeah, the bounty hunter is still pretty much in it. Uh, Zach, what are your thoughts on the pilot? Yeah, Neelix is out $90,000. He is. Holy <laughs> shit. Because <laughs> uh, Eric has to put his sweet Mustang up for collateral uh, for, with the uh, bail bondsman when he's, so he can go free, which I thought was cool too. I thought that, the, yeah, I, I liked the the courtroom drama i know it felt a part of me was like i feel like they're padding this episode a little bit for the pilot but it makes sense like that's kind of what would happen in real life uh his lawyer by the way rudy who's played by robert krantz um that actually that guy if you look up his resume he's been a in a bunch of stuff he's working to to today actually uh but he his, he reminded me a little bit of that actor keith gordon just mm. in the way he talked yeah. I just think this kind of nerdy kind of way. Yeah. Um, 
But a few things I noticed overall in the pilot that that stood out to me was the opening. Uh, yeah, having having the 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 like today's pop music playing the the silent running was really cool in that club and then i noticed that there was like one black guy in the club and like oh yeah that's that's 80s that's, tv for you like everybody's 80s. white with their big hair yeah. uh then that, that's interesting and then i love that the um i kept calling him johnny cage lyndon nashby <laughs> when he goes out to the his vw with his girl you know he's like she's so into him and i i know it was totally meant to be taken this way because she she's like oh my god you you're like the president of your company or something like that and and uh and he's driving a vw like a beat up vw convertible bug and i'm like yeah well i don't think the president of the company of this big <laughs> shot would be driving kind of a beat up beetle who knows who knows maybe he's a classic car kind of guy uh, but then they dropped, they dropped a Tim Thomerson reference, which I thought was pretty dope too. In that, in that first like five minutes of the, of the pilot, um, yeah, Michelle I heard, Johnson, I heard, I heard that. Well, what, 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 how did it go again? Uh, yeah. Cause like Tim, cause, uh, Tim Thomerson was the head of, he was this, he was the president of a company that, or something. That's right. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Lyndon Ashby was like, Oh, I'm not the president. It's Tim Thomerson or something. Like that. But yeah. He mentions Tim Thomerson <laughs> like and that. literally my, my head just, I'm like, I look up, I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. I rewound it. I was like, did you just name drop Tim Thomerson? So great. And, um, you know, this is going to sound, it is what it is, but seeing Michelle, seeing Michelle Johnson, uh, in the, in the bathing suit and the bath in the pool scene, I was like, totally okay with that of course uh, as a kid because <laughs> i recorded this pilot back in the day on v on vhs and i think i rewound that scene quite a few times because i was just like <laughs> i was coming into my own you know i um, mean when they kissed it gave a i had a sad feeling in my heart um because i was like look at that love yeah it felt genuine I, wanna, I want love like that <laughs> without the werewolf aspect of it yeah I want a six pack like Eric. Uh, I mean, wait, I mean, I do have that. No. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, the, the episode, the pacing overall, I think was fine. Uh, the way the, the mythos of the, the werewolf, I think was explained very intelligently in a, in a really cool way. And I really loved, I think this is the, the show. This is the first time I maybe had the realization that you could kill the, the, the start of the bloodline to free yourself from the curse. I think I don't this think show I started ever... it, actually. Did it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah and that's that... something that, like, in my head now is, like, a normal thing. Mm -hmm. Me too. Yeah. Me okay. too. Yeah, so I feel, I, I mean, if it is, that's even makes it even more special. This show is more special for that reason. Um, but I just, uh, there was a couple moments that stood out to me also, like, when there's a great kind of nightmare scene. Uh, where Eric mm. it has a vicious nightmare, which is intense. And the kind of cop that's monitoring his uh, hospital room is such a scumbag. He looks like a total <laughs> stunt double for Mark Ruffalo, by the way. Yeah. I'm like, is that, is that Mark Ruffalo? No. Um, we don't like but that he, guy. <laughs> right? He was such a scumbag to Kelly, and uh, he's, like, hitting on her, and – I didn't think I, at first I thought, Oh, they're just going to glaze over this. But Kelly like calls him out on it, which I thought was pretty awesome. Um, and yeah, I, I was wondering where I had forgotten what happened to her character and I was hoping she wouldn't be killed. So knowing that she didn't get killed, 
maybe potentially down the road her character could come back perhaps i would have liked to have seen that they didn't go that route unfortunately yeah but like you buy like you guys both said the fugitive the incredible hulk shades of the like you know guy on the run um that's a very kind of you know old-fashioned trope but it works the it does and yeah yeah yeah, yeah the a-team yeah. like Lupo, you know yeah. you know um and even yeah even and though, like knight rider he's not on the run it always had that kind of same vibe because he's going from town to town doing his thing you know yeah yeah he's still an outlaw so yeah to speak. yeah so two things uh, i want to bring up here um a couple effects stuff uh, let's talk about the fact that whenever uh, one of these characters transforms into a werewolf, their hand gets this bloody pentagram on it. And I just remembered in my head that, you know, it was probably something as simple as just having some blood in the shape of a pentagram on their hand. But they did some cool shit in this pilot where blood actually starts like bubbling out of the pentagram and whatnot. Very, very good effect on on the pentagram on the hand which is probably something most people do remember but i gotta call out when when the bad guy chuck connor's character finally transforms into a werewolf in the in the final fight of the pilot i love his transformation because he grabs the skin of his upper mouth and his lower mouth and rips his own face off to let the werewolf come out from underneath it sounds like you're like, oh, well, I'm sure that was cheesy. It wasn't. It was Wild. well shot. It yep. was well lit. It was well done. Thank you, Rick Baker. I don't know if he actually worked on this effect, but maybe someone who worked under him did. But my point is, I love that. And I, we've seen like werewolves like shed their skin, all kinds of different stuff. I've never seen one of them pull their own face back, like back from their mouth as the mouth comes out awesome in and sadly i don't really recall seeing anything that good in the rest of the series as far as transformations go but for the pilot man that gets you going right out of the gate i wonder if they did they do that in the, the that movie uh a company of wolves i know they, i haven't seen that in forever I, but. yeah and by the way they just announced a 4k blu-ray of that uh last time i watched company of wolves was probably in late 90s i think um and famously on the cover there's the wolf sort of coming out of the guy's mouth you know and it's yeah. similar to that but i don't remember this felt this felt unique to me the way chuck connor's character transformed Jonas. this yeah. felt very unique to me oh totally i agree i just it was shocking his reveal was so intense it's such a shame that he they for whatever reason, you know, all the reasons that you listed, he couldn't be a part of the show because he's such an intimidating actor and character. I had it in my head that he was on the show for every episode. Me too. And I did what Diallo did too. I, I kind of got um, Alamo Joe and him mixed up from time to time. I'm like, wait, is the is the bounty hunter a werewolf too? I forgot. You know, I'd forgotten all that stuff, but I just remember he being a, a big part of the show too. So, yeah, yeah it's a, it's a bummer. But but Lance Legault as the as the bounty hunter is so great. He's so evil, I, or not evil, but he's so intimidating. And yeah. I love that he wears the sunglasses at night too, because he don't give a shit. No, no not <laughs> at all. <laughs> One of the things I actually appreciate or really liked about this uh, uh, the approach to the werewolf is how like it goes back to that penta pentagram pentagram. Mm-hmm. I, I keep wanting to call it a pentagon. 
Um, <laughs> same thing, same probably. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> It's a conspiracy, yeah. man. <laughs> uh, but um, you know, where for you know, I always like I love the idea of werewolf stories, but I always feel like they're really hard to do because they have a sort of like a unique problem where the antagonist or the protagonist is also usually a mass murderer. Um, yeah, and um, so it's how to how do you like tell that story and they were able to sort of weave some stuff in where um you know he his subconscious was able to be in control um and they they set that up with his um his roommate um but they also the roommate also says like after a while he's having trouble controlling it and that's why he wanted to like you know off himself and that set up a potential arc for the show never got to get there but over time you can imagine they would have had him struggling with his ability to like not like outright murder people that didn't you know deserve it um and also they decoupled it from the uh, phases of the moon so yeah. um which was just like I, I mean i still feel like they should have tied it to the moon somehow but just being able to like be more free in telling the stories and having the transformations instead of like the logistics of having it once a month um, wouldn't have quite worked with him on the road and always like encountering things that he would need to transform um, given the circumstances rather than time of time of a year. Yeah, because that would almost force you to make it so that 29 episodes is essentially 29 months yeah and, at that, and he's like he would have to like literally grow I, i'm with you i like the decoupling but i didn't like the fact that they were like oh it's just got nothing to do with the moon mm -hmm. i wish it was like still somehow connected but yeah. still kept that same vibe of being it, that it happens whenever right yeah and i agree i wish i mean it's as a given i think that he should have to transform during the full moon no matter, no matter what. what that should have been a thing yeah. no matter what or yeah. or if anything make it when he does have a full moon that's when he can't con yeah. can't control anything, anything. Yeah. that's when his subconscious is completely gone yeah. and he's he's pure evil and then you could have the the finale episode you know be on a full moon and he's actually attacking people that he cares about and stuff mm -hmm. yeah we need to get this <laughs> <laughs> rebooted. <laughs> yeah, and and I'll chime in too and say that I yeah I typically am not a huge fan of werewolf uh, movies. However, like I love The Howling, I love Teen Dog Wolf. Soldiers. I, like I, I love Team Wolf. Team Wolf too. Uh, actually, yeah, I do like a lot of werewolf movies. I'll, I'll take that back. I don't like a lot of the more mainstream ones like i was not a huge fan of the jack nicholson wolf movie no uh, it wasn't i did not I mean it just wasn't that wasn't a good movie no it had james spader in it which was cool but um and i, w I did not like the benicio del toro film no. um and and quite often when big budget studios do werewolf movies it's not good but mm. low budge or indie stuff like bad moon uh, dog soldiers. Uh, Spoiler you know. alert: Bad Moon might be in your stack. <laughs> oh, 
Mm, nice. Uh, I, I love whoa. that movie, by the way. Ba- Hold on, I'll be right back. <laughs> ba- based on a book called Tor, where, where famously in the book, the entire book's told from the perspective of the family dog, which yeah, is interesting. Yeah, directed by Eric Red. Yep. Of, of the Hitcher fame. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, but I think indies typically do it better. Um, but a silver bullet, obviously I feel like silver bullets, an independent film, uh, more in indie because it's like, doesn't have that big lead actor in it. Uh, Corey Haim was, you know, big, but he wasn't like, you know, it's not Jack Nicholson or Benicio yeah, del Toro at, at, at the, the time. time. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, B anyways, plus B plus movies. You're saying. Yeah. 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 B plus yeah. movies. Yeah. 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 Thank you. <laughs> spoiler, thank you. spoiler alert. You might also have silver bullet in your stuff. Oh, too. Shit. <laughs> it's going to be a wolfy Spo- winter. Guys, I might have to come over when you watch silver bullet. Zach. We'll That's, gladly have I, you come over. The, I, 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 everything I've learned about being an uncle, I learned from Gary Busey in that film. Me too. Um, I, me too. I love werewolves, but I'm very, particular i do not like the lawn cheney style wolf style yeah, you know jack nicholson the snubbed nose mm-hmm. the short nose i love long snout long ears standing up on two feet with the the backwards legs and everything I, the howling dog soldiers bad moon these are the werewolves i love and fucking werewolf i know he's on fours most of the time and i think it actually looks cool but the face, the way his face looks is exactly the kind of werewolf that I love. And I, that's probably Rick Baker, you know, doing that. I'm just going to say one more thing is that I typically don't like the werewolf story because it is it falls into the Hulk category mm-hmm. where it's like this one guy, you know, on the lamb or whatever, having to fight against his demons. It's that's typically not I don't find that appealing for a horror film. I feel it's more into the drama category. And maybe that's why I like the werewolf more because it was a network show, which, you know, even action shows tend to go more drama, right? So uh, back in the 80s, at least. So I was kind of down for it being a melodrama different. And it shook it up every week. It was a little bit different versus a two-hour movie where it's like, you know, I was just trying to fight my demons and tie me up. And, oh, my God, I love this woman. And, yeah. You know, it's so. Like every uh, single week, you know, type of thing. It would yeah. Have. Arguably, the Hulk doesn't work uh, either with that setup. So they, they've, uh, like, they over the years, they have, have abandoned that whole chasing, running from his demons. And they haven't, they've only made one movie. I know it's partly because of rights with Universal, but they just. It's hard to tell that story. It's just hard. Like he has to be the, you show up to see the Hulk or you show up to see the werewolf, but you have to spend most of the time with the normal guy doing exactly kind of boring stuff. So it's, uh, it's hard to tell those stories and be compelling. So it's always a, it's always, um, they have to be clever with it. And, and it, it works when you have a certain take or premise in a movie sometimes, but for a TV show, I think they found the, the right way to do it um, here. And at 30 minutes, you don't have to wait long to get to the yeah. werewolf in, mm-hmm. in this show. Um, before we jump into the next episode, I do want to call out the fact that the Alamo Joe has a really cool like sort of voiceover at the beginning of the yeah. episode and then a voiceover at the it's a kind of like the same voiceover but it it bookends the entire pilot um, I'm not gonna talk about what it is what I'm gonna talk about is the fact that 
He talks about growing up, Zach, in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. And right when I heard that, right when I heard that, I go, I look up and I go, Suzuki Samurai, you Bensonhurst piece of shit. <laughs> From Fort Fairlane. I fucking love that line. Uh, Anytime I hear Bensonhurst, that's exactly what I think of. And I'm looking at him like, are you a fucking Midnight Cowboy dude? You grew up in Brooklyn but with your cowboy hat? I know. Come on now. We're all over the place with this shit, but it still works. Well, he's funny. And correct me if I'm wrong, Neelix kind of had like a New York vibe to him, but this was clearly LA and everything. Yeah. He was because talking like was... he normally talks. Though. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't. Yeah. He was like, I'm just going to be me on this one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, and that was the very cliche thing back in the 80s and 90s. It was like, hey, it was just like this exaggerated way of talking, you know? And like, wait, but are you. And because Eric cl- sounds like he's from Canada. Oh, no, Chicago. He had a very like, yeah. thick Chicago accent. You know? Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> All right. Before Zach talks about To Dream of Wolves, parts one and two, let's hear some more Halloween nostalgia from our friends. Hi guys, it's Dustin from $2 Late Fee, America's favorite 80s movies podcast in America. Uh, Anyway, my favorite Halloween uh, moment is from the show Small Wonder, you know, the show with the robot girl who... Hey Dustin, do you want to play ping pong? Oh, hey Satan. You know, actually now's not a great time, I'm just leaving a voicemail for the podcasting after dark eyes the tv obscura show oh i love that show is that the one that runs four and a half hours um listen can we just chat when i'm done here you left the toilet seat up again by the way yeah i was meaning to ask why do you feel the need to pee sitting down all the time i mean you're the devil isn't that a little weird your face is a little weird all right guys i gotta go uh happy halloween hey zach and Corey, are you guys home it's us, Chelsea and Tess from the Nerd Twins. Um, our mom said it's okay if we come over and watch Elvira, Mistress of the Dark with you. Um, is that still okay? okay? Let us know and call us back at Nerd Twins Pod on Instagram, okay? Yeah, yeah, let us know. Okay, we'll be waiting. Right, okay, bye. Bye. Hey, everybody, this is Charlie with Give Me Back My Action Movies. And Nate with Give Me Back My Horror Movies. Hey, Nate, being that it's the Halloween season, what's some of your fondest memories of Halloween specials when you were a kid? Dude, being a 90s kid, The Simpsons, Treehouse of Horror. Ah, classic. Every year, could not wait for the next one. Anyone in particular? Uh, There's an episode where Homer gets a monkey's paw that cracks me up because the Froger is also cursed. What about you, man? Garfield's Halloween adventure. Uh, Him and Odie go trick-or-treating. Garfield's dressed up like a pirate. Odie's dressed up like a ghost. They keep running into this weird stuff that keeps happening, and then there's an entire sequence with pirate ghosts, and it scarred me as a kid. (laughs) To this day, it's still terrifying. Good, wholesome family fun back in the 80s and 90s when you just scare the hell out of your kids. You're allowed to do it back then. Absolutely. Enjoy the Halloween season, everybody. Happy Halloween, everyone. All right, to Dream of Wolves, part one and part two. Um, This We chose this one, because these two, because they were high... They are considered to be the highest rated, uh, the most well fan received out of all of the episodes in this series. Um, And for good reason, because this culminates with Eric having his final showdown with with Scorzini or Scorzeni. He discovers him in this kind of like feels like it's New Orleans um, town and he's followed by a mime throughout, which is very funny. And kind of creepy at the same time. Hmm. Uh, but Eric is introduced to a character named Diane, who's a photographer. And she uh, reveals that she knows Scorzeni. 
uh, he's able to track down Skorzeny's kind of uh, his lair where he where he basically sleeps, and he finds an old chest, and in within that old chest there is uh, like a sword, um, a cutlass, and he starts flashing back to uh, Skorzeny, or we get a flashback to Skorzeny when he was a pirate uh, on the uh, way back when. And then you you realize when Scorzini Scorzini first gets bit by a werewolf, and so at that point, Re- Eric realizes he may not be the beginning of the bloodline. Finally, Eric tracks down Scorzini, and he's able to uh, kill him. And it's a very it's it's climactic. He's got um he they have they have a first showdown, and then Scorzini escapes. Uh, Eric is able to track him down again, but in the meantime, he steals car- carboic acid from a street peddler. Yeah. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> As most street peddlers would be selling acid on the street. And then he is able to track down Scorzeni again in like a abandoned theater, uh, which had some interesting props. I'll let Diallo bring up what he noticed in that. And they have their final epic battle. He burns Scorzeni's face, uh, which is pretty awesome at first. And then they continue to battle. And he finally does kill um, Scorzeni with a wooden stake and drives him into and basically uh, like electrocutes him, sets him on fire. And did you notice that the wooden stake had like a, a silver tip on it, like a metal silver tip? So that's why you could... You could use it. I didn't pick up on that at first. I had to kind of rewind it. I was like, why did a stake kill him? And I was like, oh, it has like a metal silver tip on it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, that was that was a cool twist, and that that you could see it on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and he electrifies Scorzeni on like a old sound machine. I'm like, oh, they still have power in this uh, <laughs> abandoned theater. Okay, sure. Uh, and I love this because after he kills him. Eric's like, I killed him, and it didn't mean a damn thing because he's not the end of the bloodline because Eric's hand is still bleeding. He's now friends with Diane. Diane's still alive because he saved her earlier. He uh, has Diane put him in a pit, and uh, when he does this, uh, it's it's like a cement cell, basically, underground. Yeah. It's revealed by Diane. Giannis Scorzeni is not the father of all the werewolves, but it is actually Nicholas Remy, played by Brian Thompson, who you meet, who you meet earlier in the episode. Eric freaks out. She locks him in the cell. You see the mime still there, and that's the end of episode one, right? You get a you get a glimpse of of uh, of Remy early on, but not too much of a reveal. Not too much of a reveal about who he is. And remember, this was supposed to be three parts, so episode one was a condensed version, and I'll talk about some stuff that sort of didn't make sense in, in a little bit, specifically the mime. Um, yes. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. I just want to really point out, too, really quickly in the first episode, when you do we, when you do meet Remy for the first time, you realize that this guy is like, um, well, he's like a professor, right? A professor of economics, and he's on like a, a fast track to being like a, a senator, like or, or somebody political. Yeah, uh, he's got a lot of power, is what it's implied throughout this whole episode. And I, and I think and, at some point they said that he studied uh, talking to dolphins down in Key West with Fisher Stevens, right? 
Did, sorry, I just made a deep cut Key West Fisher Stevens show, and Brian Thompson was on it. Nice. Look at you. I thought you were going to make a blank Cobra stairs. reference. Blank stairs. I guess that's going to be that's obscure enough to be pop the pop up on our show. What, show? I mean, what I, movie was that? No, it was a TV show TV called show? Key West. Neither of you guys watched Key West? No. Oh shit! Yeah. Okay, guys and gals. Uh, I, I love like, that I mean, show. It's familiar, so, but Fi- Fisher Stevens, Key West. I will be bringing that to TV Obscura one of these days. You bring Key West. I'll bring North Shore with uh, Rick Springfield. There you uh, go. <laughs> I think it's called North Shore. It's or it's like so- something like that. Anyways, it's a, it's a beach show with with Rick Springfield, okay. but it was filmed in I'll Australia. Bring one but West Waikiki. There you there go. You go. I, guys there, and gals, see, we, we just we just figured <laughs> one out. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, so Diane through this episode was like supposed to be, uh, Eric's friend. It's revealed at the end that she's also a werewolf. So that's a big plot twist at the end as well. And I love the part two picks up right where it kind of, it's like a doctor who type episode where they give you the first, the last five minutes of the last episode in the beginning of the episode. Right. So they show the showdown once again, Eric killing Scorzeni. And then from there, Eric is able to break out of this cell. Uh, he kills the mime, thank God. And you're introduced to a new uh, police officer played by Ron O'Neill of Superfly fame. And also Red Dawn, of course. Uh, um, and now Eric is on the hunt to track down Remy and Diane. He tracks them down. And he tries to kill Remy, but Remy's too powerful. Diane is also going to kill Eric, but Eric's able to like basically convince her that she's not, uh, that she shouldn't kill, like that she shouldn't be um, controlled by Remy. And she turns on Remy, but Remy slashes her throat. And at first I thought she died. It turns out she's not dead yet. You get flashbacks of Remy's backstory. At one point he alludes to basically starting the Nazi party. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's been around since the, the dawn of time. They show a big statue of Jesus and you're thinking, okay, was he, has he been around since like, you know, when Jesus was nailed up on a cross, allegedly, uh, kind of got shades of demon night from that. You know what I mean? He, yep. To- in the, I mean, I'm not really giving away stuff from the episodes that I'm doing, but he actually goes into his, uh, his run, I guess. Um, and he said he was, I think it was like 2000 years old. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently he don't, well, he, at one point he said to, uh, in the first episode, he says to Scorzeni, Remy does, he says, uh, you know, when we met 60 years ago and I'm like 60 years ago, mm-hmm. but you guys were, he's a pirate. That was more than 60 <laughs> years ago. Yeah. I maybe it was supposed to be 600 years ago, but he clearly said 60 he, Anyways, he also I mean, I'm sorry to interrupt, but he, no, he also ahead. at one point in that same little spiel he gives, he says that he hasn't like it took him 15 years to build that the persona that we see now of the history um, professor. And he was starting to get close to um, the being able to run for Senate. And he says yeah. that he hasn't been that close to power since 1914. It was yeah. very specific. So just, yeah, interesting. So it was just very, it was, it was interesting <laughs> to me. Yeah. Like he just was kind of going into and, that and, a little bit. 
and while while we're talking about this whole spiel, the one thing that that popped out at me is I don't think he was started the Nazi party. I think he was like a part of it or something. But he did he did agree that he was like that was a mistake. Like he, <laughs> he even back in eighty seven, he was like no no. Even as a, a horrible atrocious uh, va- werewolf. Eh, the Nazi party was a mistake. I shouldn't have joined that. <laughs> yeah. 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 No and, but you get, yeah, like you get the sense that he, he definitely, yeah, I, I do appreciate that. And he had a big hand in the Nazi party, allegedly, you know, um, and he, he murdered some like bald, yeah, the singer, uh, the yeah. opera singer. And I'm yeah. like, is she supposed to be a Holocaust? Is this like a Holocaust? Yeah, I mean, oh, I thought that he's... was, I thought that was Diane. Just, I thought he made her a werewolf to keep her alive and she grew her hair back. He, I don't know that he, yeah, he might have done it to keep her alive. Um, but yeah, he did. He definitely attacked her and that she became. But yeah. the bald singer is her, right? Yeah. That's, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I took it as. The bald, she, that's her. And then he, he, you know, transformed her probably to save her. I, I took it as cancer or something, but maybe she was a Holocaust thing or no, something. No, I, I mean, when they panned at, when they panned back, I definitely took it as a Holocaust okay. survivor. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, so I'll get to that. My thoughts on this episode in just a second, really quick. But I'll just summarize it by saying that, uh, you know, you Eric and Remy have this big final showdown, but it's not a final showdown. Uh, Remy survives. Eric survives, and Diane dies, and and Remy's building goes up in flames. And that's how the episode ends with Remy mis- being mysteriously gone, and Eric back on the run. And the series continues. Yeah. Um, I will say maybe it's the quality of the, 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 the you know, the, the VHS quality or whatever. I don't know if it's like a rip of, from a VHS tape, but it's hard to tell sometimes who, which werewolf is who. Yeah. And, and, and suddenly like Eric's running throughout Remy's house and he winds back up in the, in the room that he started in. And you're like, wait, where did he go? It's a little confusing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a little disjointed. I'm going to give it all a pass, though, because I just, again, think the show is is so much fun. Yeah. And Brian Thompson, like, chews scenery because the guy is so intimidating looking. He's got big ass hair. I, I mean, he's always he's scared me ever since Cobra. I think he's one of the most intimidating villains on screen. Um, and he's a great actor, too. Like, he's just really good at emoting. And it's a nice way to kind of kill off uh, Scorzeni's character. You feel like if. I feel like if Chuck Connors had signed a contract and was able to stay on the show, they probably would have kept his character alive yeah. at least till the end of season one yeah. for that to be the finale, not with some, you know, 27 episodes in or 25 episodes in. Um, but yeah, I thought this was an, I can see why people have voted this to be the best of the, of the, of the series uh, from the ones I watched. It's got some misses. I think the mime is lame. Uh, I think the piano man who's like telling the story, he's like telling Eric everything he needs to know, but Eric's not picking up on any of the clues whatsoever. He's like, the one you're looking for is the photographer lady, and that's where the man with the eye patch is. Oh, yeah. He's even like like, winking at him, and and Eric's just like, I I don't get it. I don't get it at all. (laughs) Because Eric's like an idiot now or something. That mime Um, felt very late 70s uh, movie film, like, 
deal. I don't know what what, yes. what it was about it, but it's like nineteen seven late nineteen seventies movies in New York City, and people are doing whatever they're doing, and then there's a mime, and there's always a scene that's like it takes on this otherworldly kind of like significance where the mime teaches or gives some kind of message, and uh, then moves along. And it, it just it. it just felt right ripped right from that little genre totally but the thing is well first off the mime was played by alex daniels uh zach we saw him in cyborg he was the titular cyborg's first you know uh guard that gets killed like at the the beginning yeah you like my use of titular right yeah nice (laughs) but yeah i was like i was like i recognize this asshole's fucking picture and i was like ah (laughs) cyborg I mean, no, who who likes a mime? I'm sorry. Who but, likes a fucking mime? Yeah, so, so, when I first saw it, I literally was like, a mime? I did yeah. laugh when he did the pull pull his pants down. Uh, yeah, I did, I did too. That was but, funny. So, so this ep- – I was, I was so excited to watch these two episodes. I thought while they were fun, I thought they were a bit of a mess and not knowing at the time what had happened. I read that afterwards. So the mime – like all he does it he does stuff throughout the entire episode and just to basically end up dead at the end. So I think there was something more to the mime because like they said they they had to condense the first uh, two episodes into the first one. Um, and I I was like so what was the point of the mime? There was probably something a lot more to him. I think he probably maybe he worked with Remy or something like that. But yeah, what clearly. you see here is he does some stuff and it's cool and he kind of gets Eric to where he needs to go. But then he doesn't fucking, he just randomly dies. Like he just, air kills him, but you don't, it's like off screen, you just find his body. And yeah, it was uh, confusing. Yeah, it was, it was disjointed and confusing. But overall, like Zach, I give it a pass because I was like, at the time when I'm watching it, I'm just like, okay, maybe it's just TV stuff. You know what I mean? Like budget, yada, yada, yada. Uh, maybe it's just t- shit like that. Um, didn't know that they had to kind of like scramble like two days before filming to like, you know, reorganize this episode. But I gave it a pass because overall it was fun. The, the, the finale, you know, how it ends finally between Janos and Eric is cool. I like that. Then of course, fucking Brian Thompson. He's awesome. He's fucking awesome. And I'm happy to have him on the show. He's now a regular of the, on the series moving forward. Exactly. And because if we're not going to get Chuck Connors, who I texted both of you guys when I was watching the pilot, it's like Chuck Connors fucking awesome in this, but you never really technically see him again. If they kept Chuck Connors, I think it would have been strong. And then I think it would have been even oh, yeah. stronger to bring Brian Thompson in season two or like season three or something like that. Like like a real heavy hitter because, yeah, Brian Thompson's a fucking heavy hitter in this. But the show, the show does take a turn when he enters it. And I feel like it starts going into Highlander territory where it just oh, starts yeah. getting bigger and bigger, and I don't know if I would have ultimately liked where it was going because I did sort of like the smallness of it, but with only 29 episodes and not knowing what it's going to go past that, I enjoyed having like this micro ramp up at the end of the uh, at the end of the season one, you know, like in the last you know few episodes of the season, we get this cool up ramp with with Brian Thompson coming in, kind of like shoots you up um, and everything. But I do feel like it, it was probably better saved for another season. But we now know why it happened. 
It's so funny you say you mentioned Highlander because I actually was thinking about that in a slightly different context. Um, so one of the, like, my impression of after I was, like, reading about um, why uh, Brian Thompson came on um, due to Chuck Connors not wanting to um, continue was that this was never in an intention from the outset. Um, but because of circumstances, they created this plot point and it actually turned out to be really good and a really like a kind of like a twist. And um, I, I know like I know Highlander, the series isn't like, you know, highly regarded <laughs> by very many people. But one of the things I, I think that it was brilliant at was creating storylines that were compelling that were based on real world things that were happening, whether like they had to always switch back and forth between France and Vancouver because of their production. So they were able to always like tie that into their stories or um, in the first season, one of the um, actors passed away and they actually made that into a very, very compelling storyline that had repercussions across the series, um, you know, uh, the actor would leave, they would get sick and uh, pregnant and all this other stuff. One of the other actors left and they killed her and that ended up being, you know, all this other stuff. So I think like um, some like all shows have this, but some shows are really good at it. And um, I actually definitely thought of Highlander when I saw that sequence because I was like, this is this is a good instance of. Um, sort of like improvising um, and actually turning out something you would have never thought of on your own at totally. the outset. So it was able to become better. Unfortunately, um, it came, I think, a little too late because the show probably was already um, on the chopping block by the time it aired. But um, yeah, that's uh, that's my ramble for the episode <laughs> and I'm out. Well, I, I think I, I think what we saw moving forward we'll see a trend with so many of these shows that fall into that category of it just like they suddenly they have to get super big you know mm -hmm. and they have to like fill uh, uh whether it's the network criticizing something or who knows but it just feels like some suddenly like, like there's this big jump we got to add all these other characters in we can just make it bigger and it's got to be uh okay we, we they don't know how to shift they don't know how to gradually shift the story it has to be just dramatically shifted um again i don't think that's a negative on this show i think it's cool like that added a, a twist where you're like oh shit scorzeni's not the main guy that's a big reveal because uh, we're led to believe all along and then now suddenly it's like okay well at least this new guy is pretty evil looking and diallo fortunately was able to watch a couple episodes uh, moving forward with him in it and then unfortunately the last episode does not happen <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i like you know even they even explain it in uh through the dialogue between the bounty hunter and the cop and he's like you know i've been tracking eric cord all over the country and he, he zigzags he goes everywhere then all of a sudden he made a straight shot down here and that's why i'm here and i like that kind of stuff it almost felt like they were trying to you know, it's, it's probably something, like you said, Diallo. It's something they're kind of forced to sort of write. But mm -hmm. at the same time, it's how well can they pivot? How well can they, yeah. you know, actually, you know, 
juke and jive and, and handle the punches that are thrown at them by the studios or by actors who want more money or whatever. Yeah, I think a lot of shows deal with this kind of thing here and there. It's just how well do they do it? And unfortunately, I think we all agree, probably at this point, it was probably too little too late. And then we can, of course, project forward with how, you know, uh, Fox handles properties and everything, how quickly Fox sort of like, you know, gets rid of of things that aren't quite performing the way they want to perform. This is something they've done for a while, so it almost seems like it's something they've done since the very beginning. But, like Diallo always tells me, <laughs> Fox is one of the few networks that will actually greenlit or greenlight uh, uh, shows. They'll take more chances on shows. They may cancel them quicker, but they take more chances. You told me that years ago, dude, and uh, like I, I, it changed the way I sort of viewed Fox and how they canceled things. Because you're right, they do take more chances than probably any other network. Yeah, Herman's head. Herman's head. Yeah, Herman's That's, head. Yeah. Herman's head will be popping up on TV obscure. <laughs> I, I guess I was glued in front of the TV in 1987 because yeah, I remember all the fucking uh, yeah, yeah. Hedy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Heidi or whatever her name is. I loved her, fucking uh, dude, because she went she went on to be Ross's ex-wife in yeah, on, on Friends. Friends. Yeah. But ever since I if, even as a kid when I was watching Friends, even to this day, every time I see her, I'm like Herman's head. Yeah, Herman's head. First thing I Wasn't think. Wasn't she? First thing. Didn't didn't her character play like a lesbian on Friends? Yeah, yeah. Ross's first yeah. wife. That's she turned she, out to be a lesbian. That's why yeah. she left or whatever. Yeah. Wow, that's that's uh, that's some forward shit for uh, yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and then she Friends was pretty, so woke. Why regular. was Friends so woke? <laughs> why were you so woke, Friends? Yeah. Why was Friends so woke yet? It actually wasn't. Oh. But. No, it wasn't. But why? they had Jean-Claude Van Damme on there, so that's pretty awesome. Why, why was Werewolf so well? Oh, by the way, I think the mime was supposed to be like a Renfield-type character. Maybe that's, I bet you anything. That's a good he, point, buddy. Out. Yeah, like some kind of, uh, you're right, some kind of familiar maybe uh, for Brian Thompson, because I don't think he was a werewolf, so maybe he's a familiar with the promise of being a werewolf at some point. A that's a good call. That's a good yeah. call. Please, can it be a werewolf? No. All right. Well, before we uh, jump into the the back half of this season, let's hear one more time from our friends across the podcasting verse. Hi, Zach and Corey. This is Aaron of Manic Movie Monday. My most, I think, treasured memory of Halloween specials was when Alice Cooper was on The Muppet Show and performed Welcome to My Nightmare. Uh, it actually premiered in 78, but they always re-ran it later on for us youngins. And it was just a really cool episode, and it always reminds me of Halloween. Happy Halloween, you guys. Have a great night. Hey, guys, it's David Irons here, friend of Zach and Corey and podcasting After Dark, writer of Seven Winters Alone, now available on Amazon. Uh, I just wanted to chime in and tell you about what my... Do you know what? I'm going to be cheeky and I'm going to give you two because I don't think anyone's picked the second one. But I've got a funny feeling someone might have picked the first. My first pick for favourite Halloween special is the Punky Brewster Halloween special. It was a two-parter. I saw it in summer. Uh, so it was completely out of context because there's nothing Halloween about it. It's just a spooky episode. But 
you, we all know what Punky Brewster is. It's pretty light. It's pretty easy to watch. But this thing, the, the Halloween special, is giant spiders, ghosts with glowing eyes. Uh, one of the kids gets stuck in a wall and becomes a demon and pukes goo everywhere. Um, yeah, that that that's something that really affected me <laughs> as a kid, seeing that. I didn't expect that. You're sitting there, you think, okay, you're going to have Punky Brewster. Someone might get stuck in a fridge at the worst of times. But seeing that, yeah, that really pushed it to the limit. And my other pick, I don't think anyone's picked this one, is Highway to Heaven Season 4, uh, an episode called I Was a Middle-Aged Werewolf. Uh, as you know, Michael Landon was in I Was a Teenage Werewolf back in the 50s, and he does a send-up of that. And it's it's worth checking out on Amazon. It's a really nice episode, and uh, it has a really good Halloween feel to it. It really does. It's uh, it's worth going uh, going out there and trying to find so, uh, yeah, I hope you'd like my picks and uh, check out the Highway to Heaven one. It's pretty good. Diallo, my man, the finale. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, God. <laughs> so, so real quick, offline, I love how Diallo texts us. He goes, my episode sucks. <laughs> I go, I replied, I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. If we if we had a known, we would have probably done it a little differently. But I, it, I think it worked out perfectly this way so yeah yeah so you also tackled a couple of other episodes that we might not have watched but uh so it's kind of a grab bag free for all diallo handle it however you want my friend (laughs) well i you know just kind of set it up a little bit i was actually intent on watching the entire series um but i i was when I was in Hawaii, I just kind of was doing Hawaii things, and I didn't have a lot of downtime, so I didn't really get to it. Um, but Dude, I did want. I, can I just say real quick? Yeah. I am happy that you had fun in Hawaii. I am happy that you vacationed, and I'm happy that you didn't do work because we. I mean, we love yeah. this show and everything, yeah. green, but ultimately it's work, and I'm glad that you chose to vacation instead. I love you, buddy, and I'm glad you had fun. Yeah, thank you. Um, I did watch an episode of She-Hulk, and I got, like, <laughs> someone got on my case about that. I was like, Jesus, I, I was, it was like 25 minutes, and I was just sitting on the couch one at one moment and watched She-Hulk. Get off my case, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, because clearly you, you could not watch an entire season of Werewolf. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Werewolf better than She-Hulk. No. Oh, <laughs> you're not wrong. I haven't, I haven't watched <laughs> She-Hulk, so. Um... I love She-Hulk. But anyways, I did too. I did too. But but I'll take Werewolf over. Yeah, but I'm not hating too. on She-Hulk. I'll take worry. Werewolf over Ms. Marvel. There you go. I'm with you there. Okay. Uh, so this isn't a this isn't a crap on um, the MCU podcast. Even though I did watch Thor: Love and Thunder on the way home, finally. And <laughs> anyway, that wasn't that great. Anyways, okay. No, so. no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. It was okay. The first time. It was actually the okay. first time. Yeah. It was okay if you didn't pay for it and you're on an airplane, and you waited like six months or however long. True. Until it came out. Anyway, <laughs> okay. What are we talking about? Werewolf. <laughs> I think so. About I don't know. That's how. That's how terrible my episode was. Um, so Seriously. I did uh, the what initially I was uh, going to do. What we. We're calling it a finale, but really it's just the last episode. A finale sort of like makes it sound like it's wrapping up stuff, but really the finale to what the show was is uh, to Dream of Wolves parts one and two. 
Yeah, um, I think you're right. Or or even even better one would be the penultimate one, Grey Wolf. Yeah, Grey Wolf. Episode 28. Yeah, so I yeah. so I watched uh, you know I watched Amazing. Actually, I didn't watch Amazing Grace right away. Um, I I actually started. I watched Blind Luck right after that, which was the episode right after To Dream of Wolves. Um, in Blind Luck, Eric comes to the aid of a blind woman with a talent for trick shooting. He meets while working at a carnival when he learns that her fiance plans on killing her for the insurance money. The episode description actually is um, important, I think, because we've been talking about the lore of Werewolf, but there's a completely other aspect to the show, which was it was sort of like it was like a semi anthology show. So we talked a little bit about how. You know, he would, um, like, it was a little bit like The Incredible Hulk, Shades of Knight Rider, um, yep. you know, the A-Team, and, um, but there's that aspect of it, um, like Burn Notice, where every episode, he would find some wayward person in some kind of crisis, and he would help them solve their dilemma. Quantum Leap, another one of my all-time favorite shows, same concept. Um, the new series you're talking about, right? I will. If I could punch you through Zoom. <laughs> I would. <laughs> Quantum Leap. Quantum series. Come on. Leap. Actually, the, the new Quantum Leap is okay. It's missing some elements. Yeah, like Scott Bakula. Like Scott Bakula. It's Corey's m- not saying anything because he doesn't like Scott. It's Bakula. missing. It's missing magic. That's what it's missing. Talking about music, it's not using any of the musical cues from the original, and it kind of feels flat. Does he say "Oh boy"? Um, he says "Oh," and then he doesn't say "boy" at the end. And then him and his wife have no chemistry, and that's a big like they're hinging every like all of the energy is hinged on that and. It just falls flat for me, but I, this isn't a Quantum Leap show. Sorry. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> my eyes are glazing over. <laughs> no, but it's perfect because, I, it, it, you know, falling off the rails, like the last episode fa- falls off the rails. A little yeah. Bit. I have, yeah, I just like, I don't, I have, I've been holding that in. And so I just, I had an opportunity to vent about it. So. There it I is. wanted to, I teed it up for you. But if you don't if you've never watched the original, you might actually like the new one and I'm not going to knock the new one at all because it actually does some things that are kind of cool. Anyways, Blind Luck uh it's indicative of what the other parts of the show were, which is actually a large majority of the show actually. Um if you think of um like how um the X-Files had two phases of the show so there's the one part where it was uh dealt with like the alien um story arcs that was um specific to Mulder's character arc um with his sister and all that other stuff the conspiracy stuff and the smoking man but there were the other part of the show was the standalone uh, monster episodes which were my favorites the yeah, monster i showed up for the monster episodes and i would almost groan whenever they had the uh <laughs> the, the story arcs with the alien stuff because at at a certain point it just was kind of got a little like recursive or boring but i mean at, at a certain point i'm like i know we're not going to see any conclusion to this and yeah i 
I, yeah. The only X Files I ever cared about were the early ones when yeah, it, yeah the Fluke Man, all Fluke that. Man. Guy. Yeah, Fluke yeah. Fluke Man. Fluke Man. Yeah. The Ice episode is the best one. Oh, yeah. where it's like the thing. It's yeah, the like thing. the thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep, those are. I mean, one. those are great. Those are. Those are just like. And, and um, it, the one where they had to these this couple had to like keep driving at a certain speed, otherwise their head would explode or something. Oh yeah, that, that's was, right. that was cool, and yeah. that was a fucking cool one. Man. Was that yeah. when they moved to, to to back to L.A.? I think that would have been one of the first episodes when they started shooting in L.A. again. Mm. Um, but anyways, uh, I only bring that up because it, the show kind of took a tonal change then. But yeah. they were they but they yep. really threw a lot into those standalone episodes, and I, that's. The strength of X Files was that, and yeah. this show makes an attempt to do that. Um, yeah. So this episode tries to be a standalone episode. Yeah. So Blind Luck is definitely like one of those, uh, like a standalone. Um, you know, he's. He, I think he's working at at the beginning of the episode. He's like working at the carnival, like kind of working at a blockbuster. Kind of like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like how like um and in the in incredible hulk uh he would like he'd be taking odd jobs to kind of like make his way across the country and escape from the law um and that's when he meets the blind woman um and it has like so she has a little bit of a um like from a character standpoint there was there was this piece about her never having ridden a roller coaster she's blind and she was just afraid of it like and so the last scene she had like the courage and strength to get on the roller coaster it was like an awkward kind of like cut at the end because i <laughs> i kept thinking she was gonna like get decapitated or something but no that wasn't what it was but <laughs> i mean as, as having not seen the episode i could now in my head it's her sitting in the front, a blind lady. I don't even know who it is. Uh-huh. And then the werewolf sitting next to her with, right. with both their hands, yeah. you know, in the air. That's, <laughs> yeah. That's like, what's in my head right now. <laughs> yeah. Because because it's a, I mean, because it's a werewolf horror show, I actually expected there to be, you know, something dark about it, but it actually was like pretty like affirming. And so in that regard, it was like those other like Quantum Leap and like, A-Team, Burn Notice, where those people always find some kind of resolution at the end shazam um yep. that was another one where they they did that every episode as well so does, does this end with her on the roller coaster going yay and they freeze on her mouth open like smiling no, not quite it actually was a, it actually was a view from her as from her point of view so it's just a black coaster. screen then? Like, yeah <laughs> oh my god oh my god <laughs> oh, that's funny. it was a uh, from her point of view <laughs> Jesus. So her point of view, huh? Okay. You are. I'm. You're canceled. I'm canceled. I'm canceled. You, no. That's uncalled for. And I said it's funny, so I'm basically the uh, the douchebag who listened to Trump. <laughs> Access Hollywood. Or Jesus. It's really funny though. It's not. It's not funny. She can't see. Anyways, it was from I mean, her. It's fucked up. It was from her point of view, and the roller coaster. You know was going through and it anyways it cut and going in the tunnel or something just around on the tracks it was just going up oh, and yeah, yeah. down around the tracks um <laughs> and i thought i just like i literally thought she was gonna get decapitated or something but like it just ended the episode ended so it ended on a happy note um and that was basically that that was the other piece of the show was him traveling around the country or whatever and kind of running into these people and having some adventures so they weren't all necessarily tied into this this 
like greater story arc with the lore of um that the show was starting to set up and was this one of the more standalone episodes that you watched do you think um i mean there so i watched three i watched blind luck gray wolf which definitely tied into some elements of some background elements of lore but not with the main elements and then amazing grace just that was completely stand that was that was almost like it was almost like a snl it was like you know and again go going back to um back to x files the so the last episode i'm gonna i'm gonna skip over gray wolf i actually would like to talk about that one with some reverence (laughs) versus the mood that we're in right now yeah (laughs) But uh, Amazing Grace, the last episode, is a, a very like strange tonal shift. It's very lighthearted, yeah, um, yeah. comedic. Um, uh, the episode and uh, and it, it, Eric feels responsible. Like this, this this description is just wild. Eric feels responsible for an elderly elderly woman who is committed to a menstrual institution by her daughter after she reports to the police. She saw Eric in werewolf form. In werewolf form. <laughs> Not that she saw a werewolf. Yeah. She saw Eric in werewolf form. Yeah. He takes a job as a custodian at the institution to look after her. <laughs> it's just kind of like, it's this show, it's this episode, which is basically like comedy of errors, um, lots of hijinks. At one point, he turns into, towards the end, he turns into a werewolf. And there's like the entire mental institution with like elderly people are kind of standing there, and she walks up to him, and she's like, "Eric, is that you?" And then, <laughs> and she she turns around to all the people. She's like, "It's okay, it's Eric." <laughs> and, he, and he's still the werewolf that yeah. we all know. Yeah. So he's yeah. like snarling and everything. <laughs> and but he, yet he's just. He, but yet they're like, "No, it's okay." And then he just co- kind of hops by them. You yeah, know? <laughs> he runs past, and the music was kind of like. The, I don't know. I, I know. <laughs> and, then, I, and then he runs, and then he runs after the orderlies, and the orderlies like, oh no, and like comedically run into the cell it's, and lock themselves horrible. in. Yeah, it's fucking. It's it's horrible. <laughs> the, I mean, it's horrible in its cheesiness. And maybe if it was like episode like fifteen of like season three, yeah, it would yeah. work. But here it is at the last episode of the season. What a pill to swallow! Because I do want to talk about uh, Gray Wolf or whatever. Yeah. Um. You know, we'll we'll talk about that in a second because that was infinitely better. The only yeah. thing I really have to say about this episode is <laughs> the balls on the creators yeah. <laughs> to to show the werewolf. You see the werewolf suit in full fluorescent light. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Because like, like the whole room, the hallway is uh, like white, there's like white no walls. No shadows. The hospital. Yeah. Yeah. And I gotta say. You know, the werewolf, I mean, it, it definitely looks better when it's in shadows, mm-hmm. but it doesn't look terrible. And I, and I say they had some gumption to pull this off. And you know what? Good on you guys. Good on you for showing off your work, or, you know? Dude, if it was the last, I don't know what their order they actually shot them in or whatever, but if that was their last... Uh... Uh, shoot, they just might have been like, oh, screw it, man. <laughs> Whatever, doesn't Fuck matter it, guys. <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah, let's just do this. But it, you know, by the way, why why do they make the uh, this hospital look like a retirement home? I'm like, is this a retirement home? Like, or is you know uh, the the Grace? They put her in a room, and it looks like a 
it looks it does not look like a quote unquote right. yeah, I mean, hospital. It, it, it does play like it's a retirement home rather than a mental institution for sure. Yeah. And and real quick, we gotta call out Grace is played by Billy Bird, who like in the eighties played it was she was the the old lady in everything. Everything. She was in Home Alone, she was in Sixteen Candles, she was in Police Academy, she was in just so many fucking movies. Dennis the Menace. In- she always played the old lady. Ernest uh, Saves Christmas, I think she was in that. Yeah, I think so, yeah. She played, like, the the future Mrs. Claus. And uh, let's not also uh, forget the creepy, uh, the, the doctor played by J. Patrick McNamara, who played uh, Bill Preston's dad in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures. And he was also in Warning Sign. I gave that a shout-out in, uh, in the latest $2 Late Fee episode. Uh, but... He and, and he plays the per- gross dad with the stepmom. Yeah, you know, not yeah, the younger stepmom. Yeah, it's so gross when like he takes her into the uh, bedroom and and like you know where Bill, Bill and Ted like are literally next door. They know what's gonna happen with his gross dad with that beard. Yeah, <laughs> gross. Anyways, he plays the doctor. And he's an asshole in this. He plays a good asshole. He's always an he's asshole. He's an asshole. He's a- Yo-de-yo. <laughs> um, I'm looking at some of her uh, some of her roles. Uh, she's just appeared she's appeared in so many clubs. The, the Waltons, Eight is Enough. Yeah. Um, she was in a show called It Takes Two, which I vaguely remember with uh, I remember like, uh, Anthony Edwards, I think. And mm-hmm. um, what's mm-hmm. her name from Twister? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Helen Hunt. Helen yeah. Hunt, yeah. Yeah. She was in Dear John, a show that I used to watch back oh, in the day. I love Dear John. Yeah. Dude, I was actually going to bring that up earlier when you said Hetty. Because oh, yeah. I don't know why, but it made me think of Dear John. And I was gonna, I almost said Dear John, but I was like, oh, wait, she wasn't on that. But uh, I remember Kirk. I, uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, I'm weirdly a huge fan of Judd Hirsch. <laughs> That's, Judd Hirsch up, is great. I, I grew up watching Taxi and shit. Well, That's I'm not going to lie. I grew up I watched me, Dear, man. Dear John and Taxi. He was great. He was if great. you ever saw the movie Teachers, he's great in mm, Teachers nice. with, with Nick Nolte and Joe Beth Williams. Okay. Okay. And Ralph Macchio and Laura Dern. <laughs> so it's so and many And Crispin people. Glover. <laughs> and no. I've I also heard. liked uh, I also liked uh, Jer Burns in uh, Dear John too. I always liked Jer Burns. That guy's great. Yeah. He's great. He was great in Justified. Oh yeah. So Diallo, let's yeah. talk about the best episode that you watched. Yes. Um. So Gray Wolf. Gray Wolf should have been the fucking finale. Should have been the finale. Yeah. Agreed. In Gray Wolf, Eric teams up with an elderly homeless man who is also a werewolf in an effort to defeat Remy, but discovers that the gray wolf hungers for human flesh. Yeah, I I watched... (laughs) So I watched the first half of this episode, which is like 15 minutes, um, because... I thought that Werewolf was a was an hour long show. Mm-hmm. So the 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 DVD was ripped and we put on YouTube. And uh, before I noticed that the the gentleman actually put timestamps on everything, I thought they were an hour. So I actually counted back from the end. God, guys, guys, work smarter, not harder, okay? But I counted <laughs> back from the end, you know, of the episode of the five hours, you know what I mean? Because he puts them in two chunks. And trying to find, you know, the specific episodes I'm trying to find, I accidentally watched Grey Wolf when I was trying to watch the finale and also discovered that, oh, my God, this is a 30-minute show, not an hour-long show. Um, but so I watched some of Grey Wolf, and it was so fucking good, especially since we got to see Larry Drake in it. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Fuck. Okay. Dr. Fuck Giggles. Larry Drake. Yeah. That's <laughs> that guy. Whatever. Yeah, that was a, you know, that was my my biggest like whoa moment when he showed up. Um Larry Drake for me it's um, always uh, Durant whenever I see mm-hmm. him. Um, yeah, he's also in the Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, Doctor yeah, Giggles, Doctor Giggles, um, in L.A. Law, which is also a secondary to me. Though I didn't really watch the show, but I do remember him being on it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah, um, but the but the guy who plays Grey Wolf, the uh, William Morgan. Yeah, I mean, William Morgan Shepard. So he's a, I mean, uh, you'll probably go into it, Zach. He's a, um, a very, uh, like a stacked um, with uh, roles that he's played across the board, British actor. Um, I actually know him mostly for, through his son, Mark Shepard, <laughs> who um, actually, I think he's on um, Supernatural, I think. And he also, I also know him as the uh, the blind uh, attorney on Battlestar Galactica. Oh, he was okay. on um, Firefly, I think, for a little bit. Oh, was he? Okay, I think no so. Shit. I think I'm, no I might shit. I might be making that up, but um, okay. he's been around forever. He was in the Keep. He was in yep. the Keep. We love him in that. Yep, we sure did. We sure did. He was awesome in that. Yeah, yeah William Morgan Shepard. So he was stuff. in. Um, yeah, he was uh, like the, lots of voices. Um, yes. Uh, he was in like you know showing he was in the Prestige. He was in Transformers, Star Trek Six. Um, I think Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Actually, he's it, really good in that. He's the villain in that, and that's yeah. that's kind of where I always sort of know him from. Mm-hmm. The, and, Me too. and thank you, Zach. I'm looking at his IMDb picture, and I'm frantically scrolling, being like, "Where the fuck do I know him from?" That's it. The the villain in Elvira. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He uh he he played a he played a villain in um you guys remember Dan Cortez yeah from MTV of course he did a there's an old story called the lottery right where they basically no, yeah. You choose, yeah 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 and then you get stoned to death or yep. whatever Shirley Jackson Jan, Dan Cortez and Carrie Russell when she was from before she did Felicity oh wow we're in this made for TV movie and he plays one of the villains in that mm. of the town that's gonna stone uh, someone to death. And I just remember like being a big Dan Cortez fan at the time. It's like an NBC movie, what? The Lottery, starring Dan Cortez. We need to get into this. Why were you a Dan Cortez fan? That's so I weird. don't know because we like, like, he's getting cool looking. <laughs> Zach, did you like him on uh, Seinfeld? The episode of Seinfeld he was on. I did. I I did. Wasn't it? Well, well, he was like a VJ or something, wasn't he? No. Well, yes. Yeah. MTV on on Seinfeld, he was just like a cool dude that he George loved. Like but yeah, he was like a. Feedback. He started out as a VJ, I think, on MTV. <laughs> Well, yeah, before before I associated these guys with like legit being D bags, I, I was uh I, I I I think I was in the George Costanza thing where I was like, Yeah, he's a cool guy. He's a cool guy. Anyway, sorry. He's William Morgan Shepard is really good. He yeah, was in great. uh Deep Sea Quest. Yeah, it's um, sequest, baby. Like, yeah, I'm like he was in eight episodes, I think. So that it was not not unsubstantial. No, <laughs> he's on my he's on my show days days of our lives. Um, yeah, love, love, love that. He was in um, Gargoyles, uh, Petros Xanatos, yes. Odin and yep. King Kenneth. Um, I think it was just in that in that first uh, the first part. I think um, the first five part or something that kicked the show off. He was in a few other episodes, but yeah, um, lots and lots and lots of different. Um, 
uh, roles that he has been a part of over the years. Um, but yeah, he he was a you know grim, gruff, um, uh, homeless werewolf guy um, that sort of like opened up um, a lot of the backstory that I was like talking about a little bit earlier. Um, they cut to some scenes with Remy where he talked a little bit about his motivation of why he was even trying to do what he was doing. And I, I actually appreciated um, that. It, it, it kind of made me think a little bit of, um, in the comic books, uh, Vandal Savage. Mm-hmm. And one thing, I, one thing I've never liked about Vandal Savage is that he always was like someone famous. <laughs> so he all like I was you know I was uh Ramses and I was Caesar and I was Abraham Lincoln <laughs> but I actually appreciate um like characters like uh Remy where they might be immortal but they kind of sit back and yeah. he's not the guy he might be second to the guy and he was this is where he was trying to go again i really liked that idea of him like he said um i haven't been this close to power since 1914 and and that was sort of like what was motivating this push um and he also um he also intimates that uh he was kind of he was on his plan with his new identity and What's his name? Stab? Eric? No, not Eric. The uh, other. Oh, Jonas. Yeah, Jonas. Jonas actually brought Eric in um, through their conflict, and that messed up his plan. Yeah. Um, Mm, Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, it just like those layers. It just made the whole story like much more layered and deeper than it like you like kind of would expect from a show in this time period, and also like um, a show that's like twenty five minutes long. You know? Yeah, yeah, and th- this episode was much more moody than than the other ones, especially compared to Amazing Grace. Yeah, mm-hmm. this one was much darker and everything, darker in tone. And I liked how this episode started with you know the bounty hunter chasing Eric, and you don't really have any kind of setup. It's just you know that he's been chasing him this entire time. So we just start this episode with him chasing him down an alley, which is gives you a reason to bump into this old werewolf. And then I like this idea that, you know, you see some homeless guy on the street and he's a fucking, you know, 2000 year old immortal werewolf. I think that's a, such a cool concept. You know, it's kind of like the, it's kind of the spawn idea, you know, spawns a homeless guy living in the mm-hmm. alley type mm-hmm. of thing. I just, I think that's, that shit's kind of cool, but it was, it was a, from, I saw half of the episode. I would actually, I wanted to finish it, but I kind of ran out of time. It's uh it's the one episode that I'm actually going to go back and, and watch in, in its entirety after we're done recording this, because I thought it was, it was just too damn cool. I only made it to the part where him and Eric, <laughs> Eric and the old man, Eric and werewolf form just sitting around fire eating like, you know, meat. <laughs> and everything yeah you know and they do i and that's the one thing i do like about this show is they don't have any problem showing the werewolf and that's i think that's a testimony to the design i think it's a testimony to the craftsmanship of the guys and gals who like built the suit you know um but i also i like that i like that not every episode of werewolf was so it wasn't like the Hulk formula Matic where you only saw him at the very end. You know, it yeah. always sort of followed the same setup. Werewolf from these random episodes that we've seen, 
he becomes a werewolf randomly throughout the the episode. He could start as a werewolf and sort of, you know, be a werewolf for a lot of the episode, or maybe some episodes he's just only at the beginning and the end. I I again going back to the discussion about un tethering it from the moon is i think the best idea that they ever came up with although i wish we had a better sort of explanation to it but i still think that untethering it was the best thing ever that they could do and this this is an example of that it's it's not your typical formula for the episode and in the first season they've already started messing with the formula in the first season it really makes you wonder what they would have done in seasons two or three or further, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like everybody listening, you're welcome uh, <laughs> that you don't have to watch that last episode because we did. <laughs> and just end it with uh, Grey Wolf because yeah. that's a nice way to kind of finish this show. I agree with you, Corey. I, I, I like the fact that they didn't go like the Incredible Hulk route, which, uh, which you know, one scene where he turns into the wolf and that's it. Uh, and th- this shows off the fact that no, we, they, they had enough of a, bu- of a budget to, and, and enough uh, confidence in the way their suit looked to give him more of a spotlight, which is good. And yeah, this, this could have been, th- this series could easily be rebooted. I'm okay with them just rebooting this series. Yeah. I mean, th- because uh, it's got enough loose ends uh, or kind of like, you know, rough around the edge moments that you could just reboot it. However, or, or, if you or, want I, slight- or I push back and say, you know what, uh, uh, make it a, you know, a requel, meaning a reboot sequel where it still keeps the first one canon, but make Eric Cord the villain and make the, the whoever probably I would I hope a female, you know what I mean? The, the yeah. new person make them having to track down Eric Cord. Yeah, that could work too. Like I'm I'm cool with that. Yeah. I feel like they they don't. Um, I feel like this. If you want nostalgia, though, watch this show on those YouTube links that you put up on the on the page. Watch those. Uh, unfortunately, it's like well, or, or fortunately, whatever it doesn't matter. They're they're all they're, there's like, you know, he puts like ten episodes at a time or something on yeah. these. Uh, but but hey, God bless the guy whoever uploaded these to uh, YouTube because at least we have it now to watch in all its glory without having some of the songs omitted. And um, there's one episode called Material Girl, so maybe they used a Madonna song in that, mm-hmm. and maybe that's why they couldn't. That was the third song in the, you know, the, the, the reason why this didn't the get released trilogy. <laughs> those are yeah. the ep- those are that was an episode right before the two parter that uh, yeah. you covered. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I want to I want to like cut the la- amazing grace just a tiny bit of slack because I actually feel like I saw what they were trying to do they just didn't do it well <laughs> um, no I, I I'm with you I I know what they were trying to do and, yeah and and I say you don't have to watch it because it really doesn't have much to go with the overall story and it's mm-hmm. not as moody but if you do watch it it's I mean it's not the worst thing in the world it's not like it's not gonna kill it but it's just having such a dark series it belongs end somewhere on, else it just it belonged in yeah. like yeah episode 15 or 17 or something like that you know it's not bad but it's not good well i I just it's not the end you know it it made me think a little bit of x-files actually where like as you know the years went on they started with their monster episodes they got they started getting like 
like comedic, like yeah. hard yeah. comedy sometimes. And, and it worked for that show. I think it for this one, it's just sort of like there was like this really sharp tonal shift that there was no, I mean, yeah, just it needed, it, it was something that it would have been justified maybe down the line or something. Um, well, because you say that you say that X Files did it as well, but they did it like in seasons four. Right. That's five. what. I, yeah. That's what yeah, I'm saying. They, yeah. This like is doing it down the, the line. Same it would have been better. Season, yeah. 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 So that that's my only thing. But yeah, I mean, even like Highlander did it. There was yeah. episodes where they were just like went sh- like hardcore comedy. Whenever. Um, What's his name from um, the Who showed up as Roger Fitz, Daltrey. yeah Roger Daltrey as Fitzroy. I loved when he was on there. Yeah, when he showed up as Fitzroy, and, like it went hard into comedy and it was fun. But like it, we're also talking seasons five, six. Yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. Because like when I was watching this, I was like, I understood it. Like from watching TV my entire life, I'm like, I get it. I get why it's here. It's kind of a filler episode. It's just the fact that it's the last episode. Yeah. That's what makes it really yeah. problem. I mean, in 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 like story wise. There would be no difference in switching that one with Grey Wolf and just swapping them. There, there's no because you know it's they're both very standalone episodes. So they should have because Grey Wolf ends with Remy uh, being confronted by Alamo Joe and having like you know a, a moment together, and then Remy f- showing his teeth at the end of the episode, and it, it, that's how it ends. And it's a great way to kind of finish it off like what could happen next yeah that's you know it's a great cliffhanger and just end it with a cliffhanger yeah cool with that this actually that's perfect this show actually now we're talking about it made me think of like the way that they have it they had it set up with him sort of like transforming i mean it's almost like the hulk really it was like almost like whenever he was like stressed but it wasn't like necessary that wasn't the stress that was causing it but yeah um, it was like the pentagram which just happened to be like showing up at certain points but there is this show this is going to be a super deep cut i maybe zach deeper than key west that y'all didn't know (laughs) yeah it might it might be and it's it's in sort of like in the same vein so there was a show in the late 70s called luke on the wolf boy and it was only on for like i don't know like 13 episodes it just it got canceled pretty quickly but it was a kind of like he was raised by wolves and then gets found and raised with humans after that but he kind of retains these wolf <laughs> kind of powers but he it just it reminded me that it's kind of like that same concept that we have here except that this guy is actually a werewolf in yeah. our yeah. show um, yeah. But yeah, he would. But he would kind of like be on the road helping people, and whenever he gets super stressed, he would turn into this. He would be himself, the boy, uh, the young man. He would he'd be himself, but then he'd have these heightened wolf powers. So mm. I don't know. Oh, it was just, I just it brought it up because cool. it was in the same genre, like the yeah. wolf, like the wolf yeah. thing. Um, and also, t- definitely TV obscure. I gotta hunt that down. <laughs> That's yeah. good. that may yeah, pop up. I gotta uh, hunt that one down, man. Ooh. So, Werewolf, guys, we, we, we finally tackled it. We've been talking about it for so long. Uh, Diallo, you were just talking, man. Just finish this off, man. Like, what, what, are, your, what are your thoughts on, on this? Like, you know, just your, your final thoughts on Werewolf the series. Yeah, I think it was great. Like I said, uh, you know, like I, we, I often say, like, some shows are ahead of, ahead of its time. 
the, in this case, I, I just, you know, it just, I wish I was an executive or had some kind of like power to, or like some kind of creator that just because I liked something, I could will something to be into a movie like the rock did with black Adam, where it's just, um, this actually, I think could be redone as a 13 episode, 10 episodes on Netflix. Um, and done well, you know? Um, and Mm -hmm. I, you don't, I don't think you have to really change much and you could explore the back half of his character arc and um, that we don't really get to see. And um, you could even loop in some of the standalone elements in some of the episodes. Um, They do a much better job today of having both the overall story arc with some standalone elements. I think like Bird Notice was really good at at doing that so you could actually end up doing that with this show instead of having them kind of be truncated but yeah like we're at this point now where we could see werewolves on tv um and it's sort of like commonplace now but back then i mean it was mind-blowing to see something like this on tv and um I just hope that if you were that executive to greenlight this, that you would also say only practical effects, no CGI. Yeah, I was actually thinking that. I was like literally thinking that. I would actually really appreciate it being like a practical werewolf and yeah, not as, as much as I as I loved being human, man. That CGI werewolf was rough. Oh yeah, that's right. They did do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they did. Do. It wasn't great. <laughs> and, then I, and I actually feel like the original version actually did practical, I think. Yeah, they Maybe, probably they went sure. CGI with the American version. Yeah, the American so, version. Yeah. Luckily, he was, he was hardly ever a werewolf, so it yeah, worked it didn't, out. Yeah, yeah, it didn't kind of matter that much. Yeah, but, but, yeah, yeah. but you're right, yeah. yeah. Anyways, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, 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 this was worth the wait. Um, werewolf. Werewolf. <laughs> Zach, my man, what you think, buddy? Yeah, I'm so glad we could trip down memory lane one more time with this show. I'm looking forward to watching future episodes because I definitely will. It was it was fun. It's still fun. Still holds up in 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 all the good ways. In the ways that it's not so good, nah, it gets a pass because it's yeah. you feel like oh, it's 80s and it's nostalgia. And there's enough character actors or people you recognize to go oh, okay, well at least you know th- this person's in it, so I can get through the episode <laughs> with this character actor um yeah no it was it was a lot of fun please reboot this one if you need to because it it, it could use it uh it, or if not please re- release this in like you know an hd transfer so we can see it all in all its glory but the opening pilot episode slam dunk just watch that and you'll be set for life yeah i agree with uh, both y'all this this was worth the wait it was every bit as awesome as I remember it being. Um, I I wish we had a Blu-ray. If we did, I would buy it. I know if you have a region-free player, you can get you know the the French version, which I believe this that's what this is. That I think you ripped the French DVD. That that's fine. Um, but I I just want an American Blu-ray. I want a Shout Factory fucking Blu-ray. You know, I I just I want this, and I think you know it's it's deserved. It's a good show. I think. 
I hope that we boost the signal a little bit on on it. Um, I hope that somebody takes notice because, yeah, it could either be rebooted, um, re-sequeled or whatever the hell you want to call it. I, I don't care. But regardless, make a, make a fucking werewolf show where a guy or a gal's hand has a fucking pentagram and it bleeds and you got werewolf. This is it. Guys and gals, this is everything you remember it being. And, yeah, go. I'll put a link, you know, in our in our show notes. Go swing on by our Patreon for free. Watch the entire series. Uh, They're 30-minute episodes, so it really won't take you that long. And I think you'll very much enjoy yourself because it's a a damn good time. Oh, Zach, you looked like you were about to say something. Were you going to say something? Oh, no. Okay. No. All right, guys. This was was a blast. Zach's just sitting there looking pretty. I was thinking (laughs) about Thinking about that Rick Springfield TV show. It's called High Tide. High Tide. Tide. Okay. Okay. Cool. Well, well, add that one to the TV Obscure list. Uh, Guys and gals, we have something, another fun TV Obscure episode for you all next month. So you have to wait and find out what that is. But it'll be something a little bit different. But it'll it'll fit. And I think you all understand. And uh, But we hope you enjoyed this episode of TV Obscura. Please make sure you, you tell your friends about us. How about that? Just go out and tell the friends. Tell the world. TV Obscura rules. Thank you all so much. Uh, Diallo, my man, where can everybody find you out there in the Twitter sphere, the podcast world, all that kind of stuff? Uh, you can find me on Instagram as the Armageddon, um, Facebook author's page the armageddon um i just started a podcast uh with my co-host jamie smith doing um andor um yes. the, the star wars series and we're calling it Fandor. um so we're going to be doing we're doing that in three episode chunks so every three episodes we're going to do an ep- our episode and, t- and break it down um Real, real quick side note: Are you guys uh, fans of what we do in the shadows at all? I watched the first season and loved it, and I haven't watched it since because it's on FX and it's kind of hard to. It's yeah, hard it's for on me to see it. Fox. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or I'm sorry, it's on Hulu. I should say uh, you can. You, yeah. Oh, it's on Hulu. Uh, now? Oh, okay. Yeah, I need yeah, to go back. Yeah. I can watch it then. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of uh, of what we do in the shadows, and I am very disappointed in the internet for not giving us an Andor mashup with Nandor from uh, what we do in the shadows and just replacing fucking Andor's face with Nandor. <laughs> Who, who's, who's Nandor? In uh, he, he's the, uh, I think he's Armenian uh, vampire in, okay. in the TV show like the or whatever. Okay. Yeah, the, yeah, the one with the long hair and okay. everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's just hilarious. I, I saw the first season, the episode where they had all the vampires uh, so good. From, all, so good. from all movies. Oh, so good. Oh, yeah. So good. It was cool. I actually went to <laughs> a screening show. with that, and I uh, met uh, Taiki. Taiki Watiti. Oh, nice. Isn't he in nice. like a polyamorous relationship or something? Yeah, like that? with, with yeah. Tessa Thompson and uh, somebody else. Yeah. It's all oh, good for him. Good yeah, for dude, him. I, yeah, you are living your best life. <laughs> he is for sure. Yeah, uh, I'll put all the links to uh, to Diallo's uh, Andor podcast and and everything in the show notes, like always. So please go check out An- Fandor. I should say, please go Fandor. check out Fandor. Yeah, <laughs> we still have you know our Obi One uh, podcast is still up. Obi Kenobe, um, uh, yeah, Obi Kenobe, <laughs> and um, First Noel have. Uh, I actually have some 
um, we're going to actually be we're re-recording, and I'm going, I'm going to be having professional uh, editing and sound being done on it. So uh, awesome. we'll elevate the level of that, and I have some really super cool, super awesome plans for Angela in the Dark um, that are in the works right now costing me a lot of money but it will be super cool so we'll be able to announce that in um hopefully like a month or two so i'm a i'm a big fan of angela and the dark and uh i can't wait to see what's we'll coming. talk about it offline Woohoo! <laughs> yeah zach my man what's going on over a two dollar late fee for halloween Oh my gosh, so much stuff. Uh, Yeah, Werewolf celebrated its 35th anniversary this year. We have a Monster Squad reunion with uh, Sean and Rudy, uh, Andre Gower and Ryan Lambert on our show, a Monster Squad reunion, and a 3 o'clock high 35th reunion uh, to go along with. It's just a grab bag month. We also did a, a top... Uh, well, th- uh, a 80s obscure 80s horror film episode with a, a guy named Chris Mayek, uh, who's on YouTube and he interviews a bunch of people. Really nice guy, very knowledgeable for being like a kid. He's 25. Oh, wow. And, um, we broke down, one didn't we discussed a lot of movies, some of which wound up on pad, some of which might wind up on pad down the road. Uh, but yeah, we've got a busy slated month over a $2 late fee, some spooky stuff and some fun stuff Ooh, uh, with spooky. a three o'clock high 35th reunion. Spooky. Spooky. Okay. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good stuff. It's all fun stuff. Like, Oh, I'll tell you really quick. If you're a fan of three o'clock high, you're really going to want to listen to this because there's some breaking news, oh things that have not been revealed yet. That will be revealed on our show for the very first time. Well, you heard it here. First on podcasting right. after dark. No, That's right, because it won't <laughs> drop until a week after this comes out. <laughs> there you go. Oh, so it's going to drop when uh, we do my Halloween pick for the month uh, to kind of uh, go with Zach's pick, which was the guest last week. And now next week, you'll be listening to my Halloween movie pick and breakdown. Uh, hey, Zach, should we just announce it now for the fu- shits and giggles of it? uh sure it, it it's coming it's coming it's, it's coming whether you want it or not we and... need like a breaking news sound well no while Corey's about to announce i'll go stop it stop it stop it, <laughs> stop it! <laughs> so we will be reviewing next week halloween 3 season of the witch one of my ding, favorite ding, halloween ding, movies ding, 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 it's coming silver shamrock and if you watch the guest then you know what the connections are between the the two movies uh, uh alex wingard is famously a huge fan of halloween 3 he put a lot of uh, references to that movie in the guest and everything, so it's it's uh, it, we felt it was a perfect coupling. So next week will be our uh, my Halloween review, and then we'll have a nice little uh, interview uh, to to round out the month. And bada bing, yes. bada boom, Bob's your uncle. And in November, Zach and I actually get to pick something random that we have no idea what's coming. So I'm very excited for that. Zach, telling you now, buddy. 
the stack that you have for me, just pick right from the middle. Pick whatever the hell you want. <laughs> it's going to be a complete surprise and a complete grab bag. November. It's going to be a good and time. for me, I'm going to tell you what to pick. So. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> that's that's A-OK, my friend. Another uh, Winghauser movie. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, or am I? You'll have to wait and find out. Oh, Join my. our Patreon, and then you'll get an exclusive. Oh, my. Oh, my. Okay. Yeah, I'll probably, I'll probably open it on Wrap Up After Dark. Uh, this month. Oh, maybe we'll both open. You know what? How about this, guys and gals? Check out our wrap up after dark in October this month, and uh, we will both open our uh, our stack, and uh, we'll figure out what movie we're going to do next. That'll be a lot of fun. But uh, thank you all so much for checking out the show. Thank you all so much for being fans of podcasting after dark and TV Obscura. Tell everybody about the shows. Leave us five star reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if uh, if you feel so inclined. And obviously check us out on Patreon. And everything that I just said, please apply that to both of our, our the shows, Zach shows, Tudor Lefe, uh, Diallo shows, Kenobe and and Fandor and everything like that. Uh, First Noel Chronicles. Any podcast you listen to, even if it's outside of our friends and network, leave them a five star review. It, it helps. It helps Even so much. Even if it's Joe Rogan's it, podcast. You know what? If you love Joe Rogan, fucking leave him a five-star review. We we can't censor anybody because once you start censoring, then you got to censor everything. It's Alamo it's, Joe Rogan. Alamo fucking Joe Rogan. But werewolf. Guys and gals, this was awesome. Fucking loved it. Hey, Joe and, smokes pot as much as you do probably, so. He does. He does. And yet I think I'm a bit more um, level-headed than Cog- he is. Cognizant, yeah. <laughs> Cognizant. You're not a conspiracy nut. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. But as always, oh, catch you on the obscure side. <laughs>